0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at DrMattShow.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
2: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
3: Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, along with Jeff Simpson, Terry South. The gang's all here gathered uh, post-election. We did it. We made it through an election Most of the election uh, for me was more interesting on a local level than a national level. Yeah. But apparently the Dems uh, learned some very important lessons last night. Hmm. Uh, CNN, other uh, major news sources are giving the Dems kind of a really good uh, report card. They seem to have won in Virginia, Uh, the Dems won in New Jersey. Plus a lot of uh, other victories in mayoral races across the country, but it may be showing that the power of Trump uh, may be a a weakening factor. Really, it's Trump's got a lot of power, except nobody wants to claim everything about him. Wrong. But then Trump says, "If you don't claim everything about me, you lose like Gillespie." (laughs) So you better
4: claim me. He waited twenty minutes after it was official. Then, you know, distance themselves from the guy. Yeah, you got it. He didn't <laughs> support me. So he said he, yeah. he didn't embrace me enough. He to, gave him to 20 win. minutes. Yeah. But that that's the problem is you either
3: have to kind of embrace Trump and then bring him in, let him work his magic and get his followers to be on your side if you're in the GOP. Or okay. you got to run from
4: him. But isn't there a happy medium? Well, the problem is neither tactic seems to work. No. Hmm. See, Virginia is a purple state, as they call it. Like a bruise. It's like a red, (laughs) blue. They like I, I believe Hillary Clinton won the state. Yeah. But it wasn't by like a landslide. But it, it's showing, like, a trend of turning blue, so they call it purple. Yeah, so if you've got a purplish state... So what What that showed was that you have your Republicans, you have your Democrats, but then you have these people that voted for Obama that this time around voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. So how do you manage that person when the uh, popularity of the current president is around 37% in the state?
3: And Ed Gillespie was a big GOP leader. Right. Like, he worked with Bush. He's been there a long time. He's
4: he's old school GOP. So he he went in and he talked about immigration, yeah, and talked about sanctuary cities. Even though there's no sanctuary cities in Virginia, and and and, right? the, and the other his contender was a gang supporter. That's what he accused him of being, which of the one of the worst gangs <laughs> wasn't the case at all. And and so it was interesting to watch, to watch because he didn't really step in and embrace Trump, yeah. but at the same time tried to kind of play both sides of play the track. Play with his policies. And and stay kind of in the middle, and he lost. But if, if he went full Trump, he didn't feel like he would have the full he would have the support of these people yeah. that maybe aren't as happy with the president right now. Ugh. And so it was kind of hard and he for got,
3: him. But he got majorly dinged in areas that he, they thought that he might be exactly like Just that. Just like that, yeah. In areas they thought that he might be able to carry it, he, right. he got kind of he got dinged. So what it might be telling us is uh, tr- Trump's unpopularity or lack of popularity that that is that's a heavy burden. But if you want Trump's followers, you got to bring in Trump. Apparently. So it puts a lot of GOP uh, people, especially in the purplish states mm-hmm. or the swing kind of states, they 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 have a really hard race. And now apparently more and more people are dropping out of Wanting to there even was,
4: rerun. There was two more members of the House that said announced yesterday they're not going to run for re-election in 2018. I mean, it used to be you couldn't get them to not run. Yeah.
3: Now it's like, eh, I'm not, not going to run anymore. They're just it's
4: dropping like my really, flies.
5: It's like, yeah. One of our empty news stories coming up actually has to do with a mayoral candidate. Really? Believe it or not. That uh, from last night? Is it, is it a last night story? I, I don't want to give away too much, but it has to do with New York <laughs> and something from his past. Oh,
4: boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a fun story. That's going to be exciting. And he's he's astounded this didn't come up.
2: Mm-hmm. The, like, can, the did candidate. didn't come up during not, the
4: election. I'll have to look and see how he did last night. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, God. You watch the cable news, yeah. I think there's an overreaction happening right yeah. now because people really want a, a news story coming Maybe out of like this new momentum for the Democrats. We're well, really like in five re- races. Yeah, and New Jersey was one of those. Chris Christie kind of poisoned the the well there for Republicans, yeah. so the Democrats won there. And everywhere else, it just kind of De Blasio now, won again. That was which kind is of a kind runaway of De Blasio. The state of Washington, though, yeah. Apparently, the uh, control of their legislature has flipped. And so the really? last Republican holdout on the, the, the left coast, if you will, is now Democrat. <gasps> Democrat. By it, the way, is, is it momentum? Who knows? Are,
5: were there that many people poisoning wells that they came up with that phrase? Yes. Well poisoning used to be a huge business. <sighs> but it was it's only not, a misdemeanor, not a felony. It yeah. sounds for some like a,
4: a homesteader tapti, uh, tactic, right? If you yeah. want to take the land, you poison <laughs> the well. Yeah, it sounds like something we hear. (laughs) Or Chris Christie's uh, position, you close a bridge for political Or you close the beaches
3: or don't give enough money, then go to the beach when nobody's there.
4: Let's just say he has a long track record of things that you should. I wonder what Chris Christie's gonna be doing. Yesterday he was yelling at voters. Well, yeah. He he walked into a polling precinct, someone yelled at him and he goes, You run, you run for public office. You know, kind of a conversation. (laughs) It was great. And, of course, everyone's recording these things, and he doesn't care because he's not running He's anymore. out of there. But it, you know what? It really would feel good
3: to be done as governor.
4: Like, I mean, if you had your two terms. Yes. He was hoping to get some sort of bounce out of this. Like, he tried for the Trump yeah. administration. That didn't quite work. Yeah. He tried for a talk radio that, gig. That fell. Yeah. Maybe it, he ought to, you yeah. know, be a lifeguard at the beach. Maybe. <laughs> he's got the physique for it. What a
3: deal. Well, I'm glad it's over, and I I really was more interested. By the way, locally, uh, Chaffetz lost. He gave up the ghost. He quit. He quit. Just say he Uh, quit. (laughs) He quit, and so now um, we have a brand new congressman,
5: Curtis, who was the mayor of Provo.
3: Yeah,
4: that was so big surprise in an area that's you know five to one Republican. Yeah, Republican one. But woo, he carried it. He's going to have to run again in 2018.
3: Because oh, this a, is just to finish yeah. the current term. But what's great about that is he'll be he'll have his election legs, right? He knows how to run now.
4: And again, it's it's here.
3: And the new mayor of Provo, by the way, the first female mayor of Provo ever, a Kafusi. Oh, it's a the okay. Which may somehow
5: be related to Coach Kafusi.
4: I don't know. Huh? Maybe there's a web search we could do on that. Well, no. somebody nah. in the
5: Kafusi family is winning.
4: <laughs> wow Had to go there, did you?
3: Had to go there, bringing up BYU football Let's get to the headlines with Terry South Terry, what else is going on around the country?
4: Sticking to his teleprompter as he spoke to the National Assembly Building in uh, Seoul, South Korea President Trump delivered a tough but calibrated speech that a senior administration official later described as on Air Force One as historic So we, oh. it was a historic speech Had a historic moment, didn't even know it Trump drew applause when he invoked signature phrases of President Reagan. I want peace through strength. Other things he said, I... I say to the North, do not underestimate us. Do not try us. American men and women in uniform have given their lives in the fight against Nazism, imperialism, communism, and terrorism. History is filled with discarded regimes that have foolishly tested America's resolve. We're winning all the isms. Uh, All the isms. We will not permit America or our allies to be blackmailed or attacked. We will not be intimidated. The world cannot tolerate the menace of a rogue regime that threatens with... Uh, nuclear devastation, I have come here to this peninsula to deliver a message directly to the leader of North Korea's uh, dictatorship. Every step you take down this dark path increases the peril you face. Wow. Yeah. Strong words. Like, he, he and he's on the peninsula. Right. But he didn't Speaking say Rocket directly.
5: Man this time, right? Yeah, no. he didn't say
4: any of the things for that him. light people
5: up. Because that's because it was a historic speech.
3: As it started with oh,
4: sticking to his teleprompter. Yeah. I'm not sure anyone writes He those does things.
3: such a great job when he sticks to that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. That's he, Well, that's tough talk, And he, but he couldn't go to the DMZ
4: zone. It was, it was foggy. It was way foggy. It was way foggy. You don't want
3: to put the president out there when it's foggy. <laughs> well, he
4: was in the helicopter oh. flying there, and they turned it around and came back. Oh, and that he, would have been such a great photo He was op. not happy because oh, he was like, I'd like to go there, even though they called it cliche last yeah. week. My Trump helicopter pilot would have gotten me there. Okay, but, but you Marines, uh Well, you Marines can't even get me there. Oh, well. The 26-year-old gunman who killed more than a dozen people or two dozen people in Sutherland Spring, Texas, church on Sunday once escaped from a psychiatric hospital and attempted to carry out death threats against his superiors in the military. This out of the New York Times. Oh, wow. The Air Force did not enter into a national database, the 2012 Domestic Violence Court Martial, which would have prohibited Kelly or the guy from uh, purchasing weapons uh, the Air Force announced on Monday. So How does that not go into the database? You'd think think that would have gotten in the database, too. Lots of mistakes down the road lead to that situation. Well, and again, okay,
3: horrible, but but let's fix those mistakes now, right? Because we could have 20 of these. We have a lot of guys that have gone to war. In fact, in our next hour, we're going to be talking about the fact that maybe you need a draft. Hmm. Because if everybody had a chance to go to war we'd probably have fewer wars in fact the data actually shows we go to war a lot less when we had a draft right Mm. because it's real to people these are your kids that could go to war and also we actually take care of our veterans differently if Any one of
4: us could be a veteran. Veterans Day on Friday, I believe. Ah, huge. Okay. Mm. Uh, Other other news. Uh, Four major film critic groups announced on Tuesday that they would not consider any Disney films for awards this season following the studio's decision to freeze out the Los Angeles Times reporters from press screenings of their movies after the newspaper published an unflattering investigation about the company's financial dealings with the city of Anaheim. Some tax issues seem kind of weird. So they wrote a story on it. And so the LA Times froze out all... Uh, or not, the uh, the city, Disney, froze out LA Times film critics from watching their movies and reviewing them. So the Thor movie did not have an LA Times review in the paper. Wow. Because of this. So they froze them out. And it goes on, it says, Disney's payback, which prevents Times writers from attending advanced screenings of its films, um, uh, including those made by Pixar, Lucasfilm, and Marvel, was deemed craven, petty, and hostile to journalism by the Chicago Tribune. The LA Times, uh, LA, or Los Angeles Film Critics Association, the New York Film Critics Circle, the Boston Society of Film Critics, and the National Society of Film Critics announced that they have voted to disqualify Disney's films from year-end award consideration until the blackout is publicly Ooh. rescinded. Right? So that's almost every major award you could possibly get. And, I believe uh, the
5: Toronto critics joined that,
4: too. They did, too. A bunch of individual websites came out, like film oh, reviewing websites. Wow. So a big pushback. At 3.49 uh, p.m. Pacific Time, Disney ended the ban of the LA Times critics and uh, allowed them to uh, come back and watch the movies okay. again.
5: Was I just not saying <laughs> yesterday that somebody needed to stand up to the bully that is Disney? It yes. Is. I just said it. But I think you were thinking more like... A Disney villain standing up
3: to a Disney villain. Right. Mm. Maybe not. Wrong. So that was an interesting story. But see, where would anybody get the idea that you take on the press? Yeah. And you say that they're not legit. Okay, okay. And um, you discredit them by kind of mm. saying, fake critique, fake okay. critique.
4: Right. Sounds familiar. I don't know You're where all, you get that idea. I'm not sure where that comes from. Weird. But it was just funny, though. The big pushback. and But, I mean, the other side of it, they said, is there's really no Disney movies that are going to be up for a war. They have not really have these, like, you know, really impressive movies. They no. have movies like Thor, which is going to get a lot well, of they're, awards, they're but a technical, lot of fun.
5: Their technical yeah. awards will be sweeping the Oscars, I'm sure. Except one of the problems, too, I guess, is uh,
3: Disney ended up Bending, they did. So apparently, when the
4: press revolt and rebel, they win. It worked. It was cr- uh, and across they, the nation, people like you know the mm-hmm. the industry of film critics pushed back. So kind by of the way, what a crazy industry! Well, great, that's a crazy group
3: right
2: there.
4: And to uh, all of our benefit or. Punishment? I'm not sure where this lies, but the uh, tweets are going long now. CNN reports that for the first time since launching in 2006, Twitter has expanded its character limit for most users beginning today. And it's on our accounts here for the show, okay. my personal accounts. Yeah. You can now type up to 280 characters instead of 140. They okay. doubled it. What do you think of that? Because I don't like, I don't use Twitter. Well, I was typing in some things for the show today, and it made it a lot easier. I didn't have to try to be brief at all. Um, but at the same time I can, I was going through Twitter last night and you could start seeing the longer tweets. You're like, okay, this is just too long. Come yeah. on people. Be, you know, what they found though is when they tested it that, um, the, cause they put it out there for some users yeah. and, uh, those people, uh, for the first few days they tried to go super long and then they just backed up to 140 because that's what they're used to right. and they like it being brief. Well, that, I thought that was the great, that was the
3: great, you know trick of twitter was it made everything fast and
4: what i always what quick. i have found is that when i'm type when i'm trying to do you know twitter for the show that i usually need like five maybe ten more characters oh mm. yeah See, so all they needed to go is like another yeah you know, but, but I, I think it has to do 10% with the more, way the program 50%. works it's easier just to double it instead yeah, of trying to figure more. out another number so mm. you know trump's got to be happy about that That's that's where it's like, really? Are we – what are we doing? Are we making this better or are they making it worse? Will it be
3: twice the trouble for Trump?
4: Could be. It'll be twice the twouble. Twice
3: Twice the the twouble for Trump. Twice the twouble. Well, um, wow. That's good. That's a good news review. Mm. Kind of a – it's kind of a weird
4: day. Today is the one-year anniversary. Of? Last year. (laughs) Where half the country woke up and we're like, yeah. The what? other half woke up and we're like, oh my gosh, what happened last night? Or crying or whatever. Some call it Trumpageddon. Okay. <laughs> Trumpageddon. Interesting.
3: But it's a year. It's been a year. So Doesn't it feel like it's been
4: either five? What, do you think there's people that feel like, wow, this year just flew by? I do. It's been a year? Holy cow. What? Really? That, that was my reaction. Or, or do you think there's more people that are like, wow, that was a year? <sighs> Yeah, I'm exhausted. Are you exhausted? Hmm. I'd like to go.
3: Let's go a week without any Trump dates. Any news if
4: they weren't reworking the tax code, that might happen. That's true, but, huh? Yeah, I mean, seeing that everyone's going to be affected by this. But he nailed that speech today. Well, he read it off a teleprompter. I'd like to know who wrote it.
5: Well, Why? he couldn't have written it?
4: Mm. No, it's that guy that he always had, He probably had input, Stephen Miller? Yeah. He tends to want to fight more. Hey, that's it seems very kind of drawn back in the toned yeah. down in the way the language was. So who who went in there and like figured that out? I'm not sure. Was it's, it a team effort? Is there one guy? Does it seem does it seem different having President Trump out of the country? Uh, feels about the same. It
3: seems a little
4: quieter. He's he's not every headline. One of the comedy shows last night was trying to explore w- what is the pressure on Donald Trump Jr. being the only only Donald Trump in country at the moment. Does that put extra pressure on Donald Trump Jr.?
3: <laughs> uh, that's what, what was the what was the answer?
4: It was sort of an open ended sort I'm, of I'm thought. Kind of, I'm thinking they're not sure. It's probably the same pressure. They're not sure. There's a lot of pressure on Don Jr. Boy, yeah. is, is there? It seems that way. You mean for Mueller? I'm not sure. Yeah, they're just talking about this. I mean, you you are now the only Donald Trump in country. Hmm. Well, there's other people named Donald Trump, but like of that family. Yeah, of the actual lineage. Right.
5: Probably not the best time to be named Donald Trump if you're not the president or the president's son.
4: See? Uh,
3: Yeah, yeah, for half of the people. I
4: mean, 50% of the people would think you're the greatest. (laughs) Saturday Night Live uh, kind of explored his responsibility of maybe shepherding his brother Eric with how to use fun dip correctly. Oh, yeah.
3: (laughs) But see, they make him seem like Wait, fun dip. Are you like the, the sugary?
4: Well, they had this skit where they yeah. had the Don Jr. Oh. guy sitting next to the Eric Trump actor, and they were Eric was like licking the vanilla stick and really surprised that it tasted <laughs> like vanilla, and then not sure, not aware that there was this extra packet of sugar, and then really surprised on how good the sugar tastes.: <laughs> you,
3: you can't win because they make them sound like they're all they're not very smart.. Yeah. And John Oliver makes the president sound like he doesn't know his daughter, his other daughter's name. Well, the one that starts with the T.
4: You need to remember Tiffany, Tiffany every know, once in a while. But There's
3: hashtags, so yes. I
5: guess that's what happens is you become the butt of the joke.
3: But By every w- president has I been that I know, that's
4: it. Yeah.
5: By the way, the correct way to eat Fun Dip, you tear the uh, the little wall
4: between the this compartments. is from the
3: Fun
5: Dip Association of America?
3: No, 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 no because because...
4: Life experience right here, okay. Matt. Listen up. You
5: tear the walls that separate the different flavors, mm. and then you stir it all <sighs> together.
4: There you go. Oh. That's
3: what we did. Well, I thought that was against the
5: rules. No, it was, and it's kind of an analogy too for the Great American Melting Pot. There are no rules, Matt. So you you just say tear down the walls, mm-hmm. yes, and then stir and
3: mix the diverse flavors, colors together, and then lick a stick mm. and lay it down across all of the cultures of America. Get a bunch of sticky humans on it, wow. and then put it in your mouth. There you go. Taste the rainbow. It is a beautiful metaphor. <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful metaphor. I'm not sure what that means, but yeah, sure. We'll go with it. Put that in your inaugural address. Yeah. Huh. America is like fun dip. <laughs> Tear down the wall. Stir it together. There you go. And then get your saliva. Um, here's a question for you. Mm. E-cigarettes, healthy... Not healthy.
4: As far as I knew, till I read some things today, inconclusive. Yes, not that, healthy. Wow. There were camps saying there's camps saying it was healthy. Other yeah. camps saying it wasn't. F- what three years ago I went to a basketball game with my brother. We're leaving the game. Someone in front of us pulls out the e-cigarette thing because you can see it glowing yeah. electric yeah, yeah. blue, and he blows this big plume of smoke. And my brother goes, what was that? No, you mean vape. Oh, excuse me, vape. And my brother's like, what was that? And I go, uh, it's an e-cigarette. So it's not a cigarette. He goes, what did he blow out? And I go, the chemical liquid that goes in it. And he goes, how about we don't walk through that? I go, good idea. So we just kind of moved around it. It seems like to me, it's pretty much like
5: sucking on a muffler. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's also pretty much like being in a home that uh, dispenses the, you know, the uh, essential yeah, oils. The like breeze. Oh yeah, yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah. oh,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah. You, oh you, I can't stand today.
4: We're going to show you. It's not. It's not safe for your heart. My experience in life. Generally, don't huff something a doctor hasn't told you to huff. Yeah, but do you remember who told you that? A huffer. The principal of your school. Oh yeah, you stop huffing you. that. And yeah, and well, you know, mm-hmm. and it started like kindergarten. Don't sniff the glue. Yeah. But then later in life, we're like, oh, it's fine. Terry, put the rubber cement down. (laughs) Terry,
3: honey, put the rubber cement down. Looks like I picked the wrong day to quit sniffing glue. (laughs) Today, we're going to blow up uh, the myth of e-cigarettes. I'll be talking to a researcher who's found out not good for your heart. It hardens, basically, your arteries. It's not good. Not good. Well, at least it's not good for mice that are vaping. But, you know, if you have a child vaping, if your husband moved from cigarettes to vaping, we'll get into the real data behind it. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. We have seen them, we have heard about them, e-cigarettes or vaping. You know, they're supposed to be a cleaner, healthier, futuristic way of smoking, right? But is that just a claim or are they, you know, just bad for your health? Here to speak with us today is Dr. Mark Olford, who's an associate professor at the School of Medicine at West Virginia University. And he has been uh, doing some research on e-cigarettes and their impact on your cardiovascular health. Uh, Dr. Mark Olford, thank you so much for being with us today.
6: Good morning, Matt, and thank you for the invitation to uh, speak to you and your uh, your audience.
3: You bet. Talk about this. I mean, we see more and more people vaping. I mean, even vaping, you know, in, in more public places. Um, and I think a lot of people think, well, yeah, it's not tobacco. You're not I mean, you're not like burning tobacco leaves and then sucking those into your lungs. Is it as healthy uh, or is it? Well, I guess, is it healthy or not?
6: Well, you know, that's that's really the question that uh, we have at hand, and e-cigarettes first appeared in the United States 2006-2007 time frame, so in terms of human exposure, we've only had about a decade uh, experience with them, and the concern is that we really don't know what the long-term health consequences are.
2: Mm.
6: You know, for cig- for cigarettes, it takes several decades often to manifest into the pulmonary effects and the cardiovascular and stroke and cardiovascular disease that occurs and so you know the real concern here is that we have a device or a product that is perhaps no better. I mean obviously the tobacco companies and the people producing these things uh, make the claim that they're cleaner and safer and and this is uh, based off of claims with the number of chemicals and or compounds that might be in an e-cigarette versus a cigarette And, and and naturally there are fewer Uh, harmful chemicals, but there are still harmful chemicals found in the e-cigarettes, such as formaldehyde, acetaldehydes. Uh, And and so, you know, the long-term effects still remain to be determined.
3: So we can't just jump in and say, because the delivery of vape is different than smoke and might have fewer chemicals, we can't say they're safe, but in your, some of your research, you've actually specifically targeted the impact um, or the safety they have on cardiovascular health. Maybe talk about that yeah. for us.
6: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, one of, the, one of the common claims is that the e-cigarette vapor is simply water vapor. This is a complete misconception. You know, for, for your listeners out there, water vapor is what you see if you boil a pot of water on your stove and you see the steam coming off. Mm-hmm. That's, that's water going into water vapor. And, and if you look at someone using an e-cigarette, you don't see that, that light little bit of steam. You see a huge cloud. Um, the base solution that, that people are smoking in e-cigarettes is actually an oil base. It's propylene glycol. It's often a mixture of propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin. Now, people can use either one of those, you know, in, in its entirety. Uh, but I think most people are using a combination of of both of those. Propylene glycol gives uh, these smokers the hit, um, a throat hit on the back of their throat, that is similar to sort of smoking, and and so smokers like that because it it, it feels the same. And so, you know, it's they're not they're not. It's not water vapor we're in inhaling fumes or vapor from from oil chemicals, and we know that some of the chemicals in those have uh deleterious or bad effects uh mm. on the lungs now there' been a- there there' been a lot of data well I shouldn't say a lot uh, there have been some data that say that uh the lung effects are less severe compared to cigarettes and and this has emboldened many of the uh producers of e cigarettes to think that uh uh and to you know want to push this as a harm reduction device. And so we we chose to do a study where we wanted to look at the lung effects because we weren't believing the evidence in the literature. But we didn't just look at the lung. We looked at the cardiovascular system. We looked at a number of other organ systems, feeding behavior, uh, how the animals moved around in their cages, yeah. as a comprehensive view of, of sort of animal physiology or the physiology of the animal that, that, that we could do. And the surprise that, uh, that we found was that we didn't find a huge, or, or we didn't find the same effects occurring in the lungs like we, like we see with cigarettes in, in, in terms of the, strung, the structural dis, uh, destruction, emphysema, chronic bronchitis, these kinds of things. Mm. Uh, but to me, that doesn't say that, that's, that these cigarettes are going to be safe for the lung. Right. It just says, and there's other evidence coming out from work that's in the literature that says the damage to the lung is probably going to be different than what we see with cigarettes. But the interesting thing about our study is when we looked at the cardiovascular responses, we saw just as much dysfunction.
2: Oh,
3: really? With
6: the e-cigarettes as we did with cigarettes.
3: So for, so, your, your, for your arteries, your aorta, your heart, vascular, uh, it's, worse for, or it's the same as smoking as, as a cigarette um, for your heart.
6: It's, it's at least the same. So one of the measures we made was uh, um, called arterial stiffness. So with ultrasound technology, so this is an, uh, this is an, uh, an alive animal and, and the study, we needed to do the study in animals because as I said, the long-term exposure to humans, um, you know, I think to manifest cardiovascular diseases, you're going to need probably Twenty, twenty-five, thirty years, or you know, uh, of exposure. Right. And the average life of a of a mouse or of a mouse is about two years. So we did an eight-month exposure in a mouse model, which would be the equivalent to about a twenty-five-year exposure to humans.
2: Hmm.
6: And when if if you look at the life expectancy of a human compared relative to a mouse, right. Uh, so when we looked at those data and we looked at the stiffness of the vessels, this is while the animals alive it's lightly anesthetized and we can use ultrasound technology to watch the uh, the blood pulse pressure and, and and the or the blood pulse through the the vessels we found that they had uh, the animals exposed to cigarettes had two and a, 2.8 times almost three times greater increase in the stiffness of their vessel mm. compared to air exposed animals a, c- a control animal group the e-cigarette group had a 2.8 fold increase in the stiffness Statistically, those are you know th- those aren't different. The two, the two point eight and, and, and the two point five, and essentially there's a roughly threefold increase in, in arterial stiffness. And uh, the measurement that we make is actually in meters per second. For every point of a meter per second increase, uh, there's there's large uh, epidemiologic data that demonstrate that this adds fifteen percent risk for cardiovascular disease. Mm. So if we take those numbers. Uh, our, our mice exposed to e-cigarettes had anywhere from a 17 to 19 percent greater risk of developing cardiovascular disease from uh, from this eight-month exposure.
3: Wow, and I mean, I mean, I guess I'm assuming stiffer arteries means what? Like more, more work for the heart, more. Uh, less ability to to handle the dynamics of life uh and you know letting your veins constrict and and dilate i mean what what happens if you know if we have this stiffening of our heart or our yeah, arteries so yeah
6: you, you're you're exactly on the right track there uh, another set of measurements we made were, were the ability of the vessels to to dilate and to constrict to uh vasoactive uh drugs so once, once we were done with the study, we, uh, we got the aortic vessels uh, from these animals um, and then we exposed them to vasodilators and vasoconstrictors. And then this is, this is the other half of the study where the, the, both the cigarette and the e-cigarette animals had similar impairment in the ability of these blood vessels to vasodilate. Hmm. So there was there was roughly a, a 15% impairment, 15 to 20% impairment in the ability for the vessels to dilate. So if you're exercising, if you're under stress and you need more blood flow going to your heart, going to your brain, or going to other organs, if your blood vessels aren't able to dilate enough to provide the blood flow oh, wow, yeah. that the organs need for their function, then then this is, I mean, this is the definition of cardiovascular disease where... It's either stiff vessels, so they can't accommodate uh, some of the function, uh, or they're just, the vessels are not uh, allowing, and the cardiovascular system is just not allowing the blood flow to be controlled in the way that it needs to, to go to, to vital organs during periods of stress. And so this leads to a term that we call ischemia, which is uh, can happen in any tissue bed, but when it happens in the heart, we call it uh, a myocardial infarction or mm-hmm. a heart attack. Yeah. And this can happen from clogged arteries. This can happen from, you know, inability of having vessels to provide the flow. The heart's a very vascular-rich organ, but if you get enough damage, it will, uh, it, it will cause impairment. Now, we also made echocardiographic measurements in these mice, and we didn't find uh, overt evidence of cardiac dysfunction, but our exposure was relatively mild. And, and this is the other concerning thing that uh, – uh, or I, I should say interesting and issue that, that we need to get a better handle on. Our exposure was relatively m- a mild exposure, and that might explain why we don't see some of the pulmonary effects. So if we had had a more severe exposure
3: – Because you, you only, uh, only expose the mice to five minutes of e-cig vape a day.
6: No, no, that's that's not true. Okay. Um they the mice were exposed to 4 hours of exposure a day. Okay. And this might sound like a lot, but it, really the exposure paradigm was 1 hour exposure and then half hour air break and then 1 hour exposure. So it was an intermittent exposure throughout the day over, over a 6 hour period. Uh and we exp- we used the same relatively the same number of puffs about 150 puffs over that four-hour period. So those data, and, and the reason to do that is we've seen data in the literature that have come from users of e-cigarettes that upload. Uh, some individuals have devices that can upload their usage characteristics, so it doesn't rely on the on the person remembering what they did. The device is electronic device. Oh, yeah. It, it, it remembers how long you held a button, how long the puff, you know, was, And number of puffs you've done per day and so based on that the average number of puffs that e-cigarette users who participated in this program and there are over a hundred and eighty thousand nationwide that have done this it could be international I'm not sure uh, who's all in the database but from this large database of, of people who volunteered their statistics from their devices the average number of puffs when when I looked at the data and this is a constantly evolving database so the number changes was 172 puffs per day. Hmm. So this is the average number of of puffs. You know, users are theoretically using. Yeah. We did 150. We did 150 puffs. Uh, and tr- you know, while we didn't find significant uh, structural damage to the lungs, we didn't look at uh, some of the cellular functions of, of of the lungs. But even with this low level of exposure, as I would characterize it, um, we still find significant cardiovascular dysfunction.
3: Yeah, because so, you would see people then taking 300 puffs. I mean, if the average is 170 or 175 or whatever, the you'd have some taking 300. Your test was with fi- 150. Um, again, we're speaking with Dr. Mark Olford, who's an associate professor at the School of Medicine at West Virginia University. Um, Mark, did any of this have – was it attributed – to an e-cig with nicotine versus, and is there a difference between nicotine versus no nicotine in the, in the e-cig? What, what is causing the cardiovascular problem?
6: So that's, the, that's where we're headed next. Uh, with this study, it was a pilot study. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm not aware of any long-term studies that have, that have shown the, the, the cardiovascular effects that we have. There are some human data that are showing uh, impaired uh, with acute responses, acute exposure to e-cigarettes, cardiovascular impairment. So we're not the first to, to suggest this, but, but I believe ours are the first day, long-term data uh, in a mouse model to show the consequences on the cardiovascular system like this. Hmm. Uh, and so the, the question is, and so when we when we performed the study, we didn't know, first of all, that, that we would see this. Uh, I was... My training and background is primarily in pulmonary physiology, but I'm a vascular physiologist, and so the lung is where I thought, you know, we would be really finding effects. But it turns out that, you know, the, the vascular system in, in, is is where the, the real information and and data came from. Interesting. And and so we didn't design the stud, this initial first study to be able to separate out nicotine versus just the e liquid vapor without nicotine. Or you know, without a flavor. Mm-hmm. So our our exposure was done with 18 milligrams per mL of nicotine. We used uh, 50% pro- propylene glycol, 50% uh, vegetable glycerin, the VGPG, and we used um, uh, a flavor. So the, you know, the the flavoring is is con- potentially an ulf- a, a uh, cause. Yeah. So Uh, it it could uh, be the flavoring,
3: (laughs) the vegetable uh, base, uh, the nicotine. You'll you'll have to go sort that out later. What what would you say, Mark, to like the parent who just caught their child vaping and you know is trying to persuade them not to do it for health reasons? but then the kid has all this supposed data from online saying, it's safe. It's vegetable oil, Mom. Um what 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 would you say as an expert to those parents that they could tell their kids?
6: Yeah, and you know, and, and this is a difficult it's a difficult argument because the most of the products that are in the e liquid are deemed FDA food grade safe. Mm-hmm. And and you know, so people quickly sort of make the assumption, and this is the wrong, wrong assumption, that because it's safe as a food grade, I mean, vegetable glycerin is used in food. Right. You, you can ingest, you can ingest this, ingest it. But when you heat it up, and when you aerosolize it, and make a vapor out of it, you break down that that compound into its base compounds, and this is where you start producing formaldehyde, acetaldehyde, and uh, acetone, and, and Uh, uh, acrolin these other compounds that are harmful so just because they're approved uh, same thing with the flavorings I mean all the flavorings uh, that the companies are using they're they're very quick to promote to promote the fact that these are FDA approved food uh, flavorings right but they're not approved and they never were studied or approved in the context of aerosolizing it and, and inhaling this and in fact there's evidence in the literature now that there are some additional harmful compounds uh, that come from the flavorings that are of great concern. So you know, it's the with kids, it's going to be difficult because kids are going to want to do this. It's yeah. they think it's uh, it's fun to do. And the in, the other interesting aspect about e-cigarettes compared to cigarettes is cigarettes were not allowed other than methanol flavorings were banned in the United States. The FDA doesn't allow. Uh, and this is intentionally to sort of prevent and, and attract kids from using uh, hmm. uh, cigarettes. And it's this is if you're under 25 and using an e-cigarette, and you look at the, uh, the the data that people are publishing from the behavioral side of the field, it's primarily it's the flavors that are primarily driving the younger kids from wanting to use this because there's cotton candy flavor, there's any there's over 8,000 oh, yeah. flavors out there, there's any flavor you want, and so kids are doing this because. Uh, because of the flavorings, and then as you get older, the older population that are using it might be trying to use it for smoking cessation. Or uh, and and the other concern is there's a group of people who who have quit smoking because they know it's bad, and and they finally have gotten over the hump of being able to quit, and then you know they've come back to smoking because e-cigarettes are theoretically safe, yeah, according to uh, the, the marketing and the advertising. But they haven't been around long enough for really, you know, for the companies to substantiate these claims. And, you know, I think uh, our data are just the first of a flood that will be coming in the years to in the years to come that will show some of these. Oh yeah. Well, I
3: I, I wish you the best of luck in and and just speed to to be able to get this data done and out. It's sad that we might have to wait 20 years or. Uh, you know, for more and more studies just to prove something that seems so obvious as um, n- not healthy. It's uh, it's kind of a weird backwards approach. But Dr. Mark Olfert, thank you for doing the work that you're doing there at uh, West Virginia University. And we'll continue to spread the message, folks. Uh, not the best thing, right? You get it. I mean, the minute you're heating something up, you're creating something new. And if it's formaldehyde, come on. Who wants that in their body? And, you know, until your body's done. Then just pack it with formaldehyde. We'll continue the journey. Up next, we're going to talk about uh, a new fad post-vaping. So what do you do after you've vaped? We'll tell you what's up next. Crazy stuff. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back friends and friends welcome 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 wow it's a lot of welcomes yeah i was going to say fräuleins. wow but and frères, i don't know how to say the male version of a Freulein. but we'll get to that i'll i'll have to check because i don't know if you remember i did my ancestry.com oh, genealogy oh i was like
4: where did this come from but and
3: it's your yeah 20% of me is west uh, Western European. Twenty really? percent of you
4: feels drawn to use language yeah. you are not frere, comfortable I think with. It's
3: frere and Fräulein. Nein! Uh, Does that, that
4: make it feel like home?
3: I don't know because no? I don't know if I've got German in
4: me. I just know it's I'm Western European. Okay, it's just all I know. And I have some of that too. I don't feel any draw to the region at all. You've never had a need to say Fräulein? No. And Frère? No. Frère.
3: Anyway, uh, apparently, Eesigs. The Not healthy, at least for your heart Yes If you're a mouse
4: According to preliminary studies, yes
3: For what would be 20 years of your life Uh, But apparently So let's just say e-cigs Let's say they just evaporated like vape in the air Mm. It doesn't mean the end of weird fads This is true So what would be next? And
4: maybe e-cigarettes are on their way out Ooh (gasps) That would be great So now experts predict that heat-not-burn devices are set to soar in popularity. Heat-not-burn. Heat-not-burn.
5: It's a a different approach. Oh, that's like my electric blanket that I have in my office.
4: So the study suggests that these heat-not-burn devices will overtake the sale of e-cigarettes, which are used by an estimated 9 million adults in the U.S. and around 2.9 million in the U.K. This has caused... Uh, Advertisers, marketers to warn that there is an urgent need for more research into the health effects of devices which heat tobacco as opposed to burning it. Oh, wow. So, uh, they heat not burn. So different from e-cigarettes, electronic devices is, is used with, they're called mini Tabasco, t- tabasco tobacco <laughs> sticks. Now Tabasco sticks would be a whole different oh, that approach to this, whole but different Mini tobacco sticks in the form of, they call them heat sticks, which I guess is a yeah. brand of these, uh, or others are opposed to, uh, to a nicotine laced liquid. So you you have a device and you insert this stick into it instead of having a liquid that you burn to get a vapor out of you have this this stick that you actually heat up, and that gives you your i guess nicotine hit that you need and it's a safer way because you're not burning something and it's just a, a little little device that heats itself up instead of huh. trying to to actually burn something Wow, but they argue experts argue that the innovative device will never be safer than e-cigarettes and doesn't appear to be a safer option, that's what they're saying. You know, there's always two sides to all this stuff. <laughs> the study uh, co-author here, a uh, professor of computer science at John Hopkins University, said heat not burn products have quickly become insanely popular. Two years ago, there were essentially no queries, meaning from Google search. Yeah. In Japan, for heat-not-burned tobacco, now there are between 5.9 and 7.9 million a month. Furthermore, the team found that interest in heat-not-burned tobacco in Japan is rising more rapidly than past interest in e-cigarettes. The study author added that it suggests that the uh, heat-not-burn tobacco is introduced in new markets. Its popularity may even eclipse e-cigarettes. I'm not sure what prices ah, and all that mm. stuff. But again, what it says, the the guest we just had on was talking about people want the throat hit yeah. of the nicotine. This The heat-not-burn provides a better throat hit than the e-cigarette. Well, okay, hold on there. Yeah, go ahead. Okay,
3: so we, we've gone from burning tobacco in yeah. a cigarette uh-huh. to then... Um, uh, burning it in a vape.
4: Well, as this says, the new product gently heats tobacco right. to a balmy 260 degrees to produce a tobacco vapor. I'm just doing the evolution. Yeah, um, yeah. Go
3: ahead. We we went from burning a cigarette, uh-huh. so you smoke everything, to then vaping a cigarette, which still burns tobacco. It, it still creates a burning chemical or chemistry. Then now you're saying we're going to go to just warming the the that yeah. people have been chewing tobacco. This is true forever. And that's been
4: proven unhealthy. This is true. So why don't we just kind of move on from the back Well Well, the, the people who make the product say that it, it's, a, it's possibly a safer way of doing this. No. Uh, another study found it contains some chemicals that are strongly linked to cancer in much higher concentrations yeah. than previously reported. Yeah. So. You know what? If
5: people feel compelled to have a throat hit, they yeah. can pay me a fraction of the cost and I'll give them a
4: good throat hit. Oh, wow. he will just punch them in the throat. Wow. That's the, it's the, it's like. We're trying really hard to repackage a similar right. health problem. Yeah. So is it better, you tell me, is it better to burn mm. your
3: decon mouse poison? <laughs> <laughs> to ingest it, or is it better to warm it gently or just know.
5: chew on it and put a pinch of decon between your cheek and well, gum? You know what happened to the frog that was slowly boiled? Yes. but that sounds Frog
4: good. legs. The new products gently heat the tobacco to a balmy 260 degrees. That so, sounds much more pleasant than just yeah, lighting something It would on be fire. better
3: to gently heat your decon to a to a balmy 200 and something degrees now if they could flavor the rat poison unbelievable okay let's take a break when we come back we're going to talk about um fly flying cars which i think is the greatest thing in the world because what could ever go wrong with a bunch of people flying their cars around the city Welcome back, friends. You know uh, it's it's gonna happen. Apparently, flying cars are in our future. So Uber. The ride-sharing company
4: advances vision of a network of flying cars by signing an agreement with NASA on how to safely manage the futuristic systems. Oh, wow. The ride-sharing startup said it plans to roll out an on-demand vertical takeoff and landing, a VTOL, as they call them, (laughs) network in Dallas and Dubai by 2020. And Wednesday added Los Angeles to the list. But many regulatory hurdles will need to be cleared before that can happen, including approval by the FAA, which will have to figure out how flying cars can get along with airplanes, helicopters, and drones. Bye. Plus, you, it
3: seems like first you got to figure out how flying car. I mean, how people can just drive a car anyway. Right. You know, and we got to get all the cars
4: synced. And so Uber and NASA will work to develop new traffic concepts that will enable safe and efficient operations of robotic flight systems for the future. This is exciting. Or scary, whichever. So this is about 100 years away. 2020. Bull. Just stay away from Dallas really? and Dubai and LA. That. That's what they're saying. By 2020, they'll have prototypes out. It won't happen. They'll start testing them. and you'll see him during rush hour. It won't happen. 2020. 2020. Are you serious?
3: I don't even think Trump's tax plan will be done by 2020. Probably not. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Now you can listen to Frank Sinatra. It's a great song. Cross the city in your flying car. Well, that's exciting news, folks. By 2020, we'll be flying cars to work. (sighs) Life is good. Hey, stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Doing what we can to help you live longer, love stronger, and fly the friendly skies.
1: Come fly with me. Let's float down to Peru.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
5: BYU Radio.
3: Good morning friends. Welcome to the program Dr. Matt here. Your coach, your guide on the side along with Jeffrey Liam Simpson and Terry South. The gang is gathered. It's post uh, election night. So we have to get into all of the um all of the wins, the losses not
5: a lot to talk about. I'm curious to know too, do you feel is it not as much of an experience if you mail in your ballot versus like going to a cafeteria yeah, or less a of library? An experience. Yeah, really?
3: Yeah, because I, I in a way, it was a very pleasant experience. But I actually had a really magical moment because my kids saw me voting. Mm. so we could talk about what why we're voting, how we're voting. It created a really interesting discussion. Now, it didn't create the same civic engagement. You know, I didn't mm. get to go smell the, the smell of like two-day-old fries in the cafeteria of of my children's school. Yeah, But – and I didn't get to see everybody that I would normally see there. But I did get to
5: have a really great moment with my family. I remember voting for president and going to a school cafeteria – There were no partitions or anything. There were just people sitting on tables, checking, putting down a checkmark. Just just kind of a free-for-all. Yeah. Or or maybe that was the – that may have been the primaries. Or maybe that was when you were in grade school choosing a class president. And for some reason I was using a crayon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes our memories fail us. That was a tasty crayon though. (laughs) Is that why you've got
3: purple on your teeth? Uh, today, we got a great uh, show. We're, gonna, we're going to talk about so many things, but apparently a sweep in in of some sort. I mean, I don't know if you call it a sweep. CNN is saying the Democrats swept the election, but really, there were hmm. f- maybe three or four or five really well-known elections uh, across the country, and uh, most of them seem to go Democrat. So it's all blue, folks. There's a blue sweep uh apparently, according to the news, GOP you're done. I'll you may as well facts. okay, well, it's probably not that dire, but it did it does say something about president trump the the big election was the governor's race in Virginia, and Gillespie, who's a GOP kind of stronghold, lost to the democratic uh challenger and interestingly, Northam was the challenger, I believe in uh Virginia. was it close?
4: I don't think so. It was pulling around three percent, ended up being nine yeah. percent.
3: Ah. Surprise. But that it was it's a very telling problem that uh Gillespie ran into because he wanted to kind of run a little bit on Trump's coattails, but not have Trump in the coat. Sure. You know? Yeah. So it's it's kind of jumping on the bandwagon, but hey, there ain't no band. So we never invited <laughs> Trump to come hang out. He didn't let Trump. I mean, by the way, this is in Virginia. This would have just been a little, you know, this could have just been a really quick helicopter ride to wherever he needed to go. But uh, Trump wasn't part of the election, except a lot of Trump's ideas that got him elected were part of Gillespie's platform.
5: That's like somebody wanting to use their parents name to further their career, but they don't want their parents to be involved. Yeah. You, You want me to make a call?
3: No, 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 dad. Stay out of this. But I do want you to just you know, let me drop your name. <laughs> well, I, if you want, I'll just make a call. No, Dad, I really don't want you to talk to anybody. I want to do this on my own. Just, I just want to be able to – can I just say I did this? Well, it would be easier if I just – Dad, stay out of it. No, but son, I can tell him a lot about how you used to wet your bed, <laughs> how you used to do all these things, and now you've outgrown all of it. And you'd be a great employee now. Dad, never mind. I'm just going to change my name. I'm going to change my name now. (laughs) So interesting. Uh, You know, elections, they matter. And hopefully you were involved at whatever level. um, And is this a real, you know, swing for the Democrats? No matter what, it is kind of a moral victory. Um, A lot of elections uh, just are more about what you perceive is going on. And so interesting stuff. We'll get to all of that. Plus, later, we're going to be talking about why it's important as Veterans Day is coming up this Saturday. Why it's important to know your veterans, and we have a, a great guest that'll be joining us that is making a big difference in the world of veterans. Veterans have one of the highest suicide rates around. Mm. Uh, I think twenty percent of suicides are veterans in this country, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But it, it, some of this may go back to the the mere fact of how we. Uh, how we enlist people into the military, right? It's, it's all by volunteer. And uh, many are saying if we didn't – if we had a draft instead, we would probably, A, take better care of our veterans. We would probably also, B, fight fewer wars. If your brother or you could get called up to go to war or your son could go to war,
5: you might be less into war. But I don't know. that. I mean, these are the people that are volunteering to go and 20 percent of suicides are, are veterans. Yeah. So I wonder what that number would look like if if it were people that were just being drafted against their will. Absolutely. And well, what's interesting, though, is I wonder if we'd have fewer wars. The data
3: actually shows that we would. We probably wouldn't be involved in as many wars because these are your kids. Hmm. But when it's someone else's kids and you don't even relate to these people because these people aren't your friends these people aren't in your social groups, these people don't go to your church, and you may not know very many people currently enlisted in the military, then it might be easier to send them to war. It definitely makes war more real for everybody. Oh, it's a scary idea, but it also is a – you know, it might be a very real uh, issue as more and more people are taking on the idea of the draft. So we'll talk about that and and really try to do what we can to celebrate veterans – Um, and just at least give them the tribute they need. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what else is going on that we should be paying
4: attention to? President Donald Trump on Wednesday pulled back on a trip to the demilitarized zone that separates South South Korea from North Korea, citing inclement weather. According to Politico, Trump was on board a helicopter heading towards the DMZ when the decision was made to turn back due to Uh. poor weather. The effort shows the strong and importance uh, of the alliance between the two countries, the White House press secretary says the effort to what go to the dmz yeah it was cliche last okay yeah it was cliche um,
3: and now it's not and now he's mad that he couldn't get there
4: yeah so I don't journalists traveling with trump were asked not to report on the president's travels until after he returned to seoul on tuesday trump apparently teased the trip saying we're going to have an exciting day tomorrow for many reasons that people will find out when it after or as it happens Trump tease. He didn't say that. But I had the last part. What? And reports say it was foggy so they pulled back. And if you I mean if you can't see the guard towers that are like 50, 100 yards yeah. away, you may want to, you know.
3: You know, you know how bad it would be if you crashed at the DMZ.
4: There there are towers you can, There was pictures of James Mattis, the defense yeah. secretary standing there last week and he's talking to his counterpart from South Korea. And in between them, kind of over their shoulders, you see two North Korean guys in a guard tower just yeah. looking at them. Yeah. So, I mean, they're right there. So, you may be worried for some you know, security concerns. But if, I guess it goes down to the fact that, I mean, you could have taken the Trump bus. Could have. When we could
3: have got him there, there's a way to get him everywhere.
4: Yeah. But, I mean, it might also be just visibility at the yeah. site. Yeah. They can't see where the North Koreans are. Do so they yeah, have a it gun? Wouldn't, it wouldn't yeah. have been a great op. Visual. Yeah, pictures, bad. Who knows? Whatever. Uh, Defense Secretary James Mattis has directed the Pentagon to investigate how the Air Force failed to report to the FBI that the Texas church shooter had been convicted of assaulting his wife. And then, of course, that information didn't make it to the FBI database. And they're like, if the problem is we didn't put something out, we'll correct it. Hmm. So they're looking at their procedures to see what happened, what was the failure, how do we fix this? Yes. Okay. And apparently they're going to look back, as I was talking yesterday about All people who have been removed from the military because of domestic violence, are they in the database? Uh, Because you should be. You better be. That's the way it works. Well,
3: really, anybody charged with anything in the military, right? I mean, all of this
4: information needs to be somewhere. Filter out. So it can be seen in the public when you go to check a database. Yeah, it's kind of important background information. Attorney General Jeff Sessions will appear in front of the House Judiciary Committee panel on November 14th where he's expected to face questions about communications between the Russian government and the and President Trump's election campaign. Now, this isn't a repeat of the couple other times he's had to go in and talk about this. Because remember, he yeah. first talked about it, then he had to come back and talk about it. he cleared it up. No, now he's got to go back. Because um, what they're saying here, uh, da, da, da. in March, the Washington Post reported that during his confirmation hearing, Session failed to disclose two meetings he had with the Russian ambassador to the United States. And uh, other documents filed October 30th by special counsel Robert Mueller revealed that Sessions attended a meeting where he shot down the proposed meeting between then-candidate Trump and Vladimir Putin. Hmm. Again, all stuff he didn't disclose when he was confirmed as in his confirmation hearings as the attorney general. So well, but, the Senate's like, well, yeah. come on back here. Talk to us some more. Maybe the senators just didn't ask very good questions. No, they asked him, have you, have you had any contact or are you aware of any contact with Russians?
6: What What are you talking about, Russians? He's like,
4: what? No, absolutely not. And a week later, like, whoa. And then someone's like, the, the ambassador from Russia to the United States yeah, yeah. is a Russian. What? Yeah. It's a crazy Since concept. When? So...
3: He didn't say anything.
4: <laughs> Surprise. Now mean, granted a couple of these meetings he was shaking hands, shook no, someone's hand that. and walked out the no, door. You, you totally
3: get that you could you could miss a Russian in a room. Yeah. When you got fifty Russian I, you got 50 people in a room and then one of them's a Russian. I think you could pick out the Russian. But they're not always gonna wear like the big furry bear hat, you know. They're not No. So
4: Waving flags. Okay, yeah. so so that would make sense once, but when you have actually
3: sat in meetings at tables with them
4: ah. And then shot down ideas for meetings that were, cap- were being set up. And yeah. you said, no, let's stop that. And they kept mentioning Vlad. To a guy that was indicted by Robert Mueller. <laughs> the campaign were like, who's that guy? Didn't he get us like yeah. coffee or something? What was his job? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. In other news, a juror in the Senate, Robert Menendez, he's a Democrat from New Jersey who's under uh, uh, accused of taking bribes from a Florida doctor. Hmm. So he's being a corruption trial ongoing. One of the jurors yesterday, uh, you know, they asked for questions from the jurors. Do you have any questions before we start deliberations? And the juror raised his hand and goes, could you define what a senator is? What? Yeah. (laughs) Are you serious? The the judge had, and he also asked for a transcript of the Menendez attorney's closing arguments. So the senator's attorney's closing arguments. The judge told the jurors they should use their memory to determine the definition of a senator. You keep that's, that's using corru- this
2: word, senator. <laughs> that's how that
5: corruption trial is going. Menendez is not a good surname to have in a courtroom.
4: Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. That name was ruined. But, but good if like NBC wants to make a TV show. Yeah, it's great for TV ratings. <laughs> really <laughs> doing right
3: bad now. for <laughs> juries. Okay.
4: And finally, uh, how big are you on ranch dressing, Matt? Oh, are you a big fan? I'm a
3: bi- I- I'm a fan.
4: How I wouldn't fa- say a how- big fan. Big a fan. I'm Judy. probably
3: a, on the fan meter. I'm a Are seven. you?
4: Uh, let's buy a keg of no. a keg of ranch for your home.
3: Well, I like to have ranch on tap. If you're asking me that,
4: <gasps> <laughs> I so, just showed Matt the photo. So of people the, can now buy a keg of it ranch. It is a mini keg, a metal. Barrel looking a device. Keg. It's a keg. It's a nine by six inches. So nine inches tall, six inches, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> diameter. Um, it can hold 12 bottles of ranch. Wow. When you purchase this item, they send you the barrel empty with 12 <laughs> bottles of ranch that you, then you can add as you yeah. wish. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um You got to keep topping it off. Yeah. So the whole thing, I believe, what, what did I see? It so says it holds two pounds of dressing, goes for $110 including a year's supply of ranch, which I guess is a bottle a month, is for what who? they're assuming. Well, not if you have a keg. Like, If you're buying that much ranch, I think you're going to overindulge on it And by ranch. the
3: way, don't you have to keep the keg in the fridge? Don't you? You have to.
4: Do you have to yeah, you have to refrigerate it. Once you open it. the bottle, you have to refrigerate your keg. So then oh the problem, where, where do you put a nine by six? Hey, Jimmy. I don't know.
3: Hey, Jimmy, you want to come over to my house for a kegger?
4: Bring some celery sticks. (laughs) Bring some celery sticks. (laughs) So you could tap the keg, right? Then you have ranch on tap. Yeah. Wow.
3: Yeah. Uh, Let's let's go to uh, Jim Gaffigan to find out what he thinks of this.
4: Ranch dressing. Some of us have to settle down with the ranch dressing. (laughs) The usage is ridiculous.
7: I love ranch dressing. I like to dip my pizza in ranch dressing.
4: That's fine. You're just not allowed to vote anymore.
3: (laughs) How fitting is that? That's a good trade. And today you you
4: shouldn't be voting if you're going to be dipping everything in ranch. Right. And I think this would encourage you to dip more in ranch. I agree. But there are things. You heard about pizza, vegetables. But I think people just start experimenting. You have so much ranch on hand. <laughs> yeah. Then and you're just you... a big dip. And it says they, the whole point is we want to ensure the ranch. Yeah, dip. You it. finally got him. We <laughs> want to ensure the ranch is as fresh as possible so people can fill their kegs when they are ready for their parties. So this is intended for like a party situation. Okay, but seriously? But no one's going to use it for that. Who's going to go through nine bottles
3: of ranch at a party? My three-year-old. Because, yeah, your three-year-old will just hold the keg top down and just pour ranch all over the <laughs> She'll floor. She'll put
5: her mouth underneath
4: yeah. it. That's what my, my boy, when there's ranch, he'll, like, eat the ranch and leave everything else. that they ran, or like, yeah. He's, like, taking the ranch off the carrot and putting the carrot away because he doesn't want to have anything to do with the carrot. Yeah. But it was a delivery system for the ranch. Okay, but
3: look what we're doing. Last hour we talked about e-cigs okay. and how dangerous they are. Right. A, a keg of ranch is just as dangerous as an e-cig.
4: is it no yeah but you wouldn't be walking out of like a jazz game with it, somebody with a keg on their shoulder it, it's made with drinking it probably something adjacent to a dairy product so there's some buttermilk yeah plus just
3: yes the 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 burn factor of that much weight behind buttermilk ranch dressing, it's going to create a burn effect
5: and now you're going to have burnt. Eh. I think Jim Gaffigan goes on to say that ranch is made from buttermilk and sadness. Mm. <laughs> I don't think it's that. It's happiness. It it does nothing but create joy. That's why it's
3: addictive and a keg of ranch is a bad idea. I don't want to ruin it for everybody or else. Or
4: it could be a great idea.
3: Just go to Costco, buy their mega super ranch size Get one of those a month and go find a
4: hobby (laughs) at the Hobby Lobby. (laughs) Interesting. Anyway, great news. So you're uh, not really for the Kegger Ranch? I just think no. I think it's a health hazard.
3: I think if you're going to buy it, you have to post a health warning on the keg. A Surgeon General warning Mm -hmm. on the ranch. Yeah. Okay. And again, I can only imagine what kind of parties that would bring on. Can you imagine this? Just all these little overweight kids dipping their pizza in their keg of ranch. Uh, what's happening to America? Anyway, let's get to the other headlines. The headlines we don't talk about as much. The Empty News headlines with Jeffrey Liam
5: Simpson. The MT News Team. First on the scene. Fifth on facts. I think we've got time for this one. Uh, it involves Shik Shumway. Oh, I love Shik. Yeah. How's he doing? Well, we'll get to him here in a second. Uh... What's the most precarious situation you've ever been stuck in? Or what's the what's the most difficult to get out of situation you've ever been stuck in? Like uh well I mean I've Physically been, I've okay I've been stuck
3: at LAX airport after 911. Okay. And had to somehow get home to Utah without an airplane or a rental car. Hmm. So I took a bus. And it was the longest 20-something hours of my life. We've all got those stories. Did you sit next to an exotic dancer?
5: Um, okay, well, you didn't. So I did, <laughs> and it was traumatic. Well, we went on a flight. Well, after being going to the wrong airport, my dad had to turn us around and go to a different airport. We missed our flight, so we had to have this huge layover. Our bag got separated from oh, us. Boy. We had a baby at the time, oh, so we boy. didn't have any of the diapers, so we had to take a cab to the mall, so we had to spend like $40 on a cab just to get diapers.
1: Oh, brother. And, uh, yeah.
5: Yeah, that was The bad. baby cried on, all the way home on the plane. Is that you or your baby? <sighs> I was crying inside, for sure. <laughs> so authorities say a Utah man who was hiding from police and fled, ar- uh, a fled arrest, had to call 911 to be rescued after getting stuck in his hiding spot. Uh-oh. Salt Lake City police say 46 year old Shane Paul Owen called dispatchers for help on Tuesday, more than six hours after he accidentally locked himself in a church's boiler room. <laughs> Officers were looking for Owens on Monday because he is a suspect in a string of burglaries and had warrants out for his arrest. Police say an officer spotted him and attempted to pull his vehicle over, but Owens fled, got out of his car, and ran oh, into the church. Boy. A SWAT team held a standoff at the church until Owens called to be rescued. <laughs> so, you know Schick. He's always yeah. the first on the scene. Yeah. Uh, even before police sometimes. That's which, what's amazing about him. Which is the case here. He was actually able to get an interview in with this guy really, stuck in the, the boiler room him. before the cops even got cool. there. Sir, can you tell us how you got into this mess? <laughs>
3: Veterans Day is coming up this Saturday, folks, and as we remember the sacrifices that have been made in the name of freedom, we we like to think that we are there for and support those who have fought for our country. But as Americans, how supportive of our veterans are we really? Uh, here to discuss this with us is Dr. Mike Haney. He's the founder or the founding executive director of Syracuse University's Institute for Veterans and Military Families. It's the nation's first interdisciplinary academic institute focused purposefully on informing and impacting the policy, economic, and wellness, as well as social concerns of our nation's veterans and their families. And uh, he's got a lot to teach us today. Dr. Mike Haney, thank you so much for being with us.
8: I'm thrilled to be here.
3: This is, this is honestly, to me, a sacred topic, and I don't think we do it justice here. And I, I watched your uh, TED Talk and was incredibly moved by just some of the basic questions that you ask. Do, just as an expert who researches it, who studies it, how do you feel? What grade maybe would you give us as Americans on, on, on how supportive we are of our veterans?
8: Well that that's uh he, first question put me right on the spot. You know, I I would I would answer the question in two ways. I I think at a um, at, at maybe a, a superficial level, I I'd, I I'd, I'd, I'd say we're in an A minus. Uh but truth be told, um you know, I think the extent to which Americans um meaningfully and deeply are invested in the the post-service lives of our nation's veterans and their families, um, you know, I'd, I'd probably put that at a C. Mm. And, and I say that because you know, one of the things that we don't talk enough about, I think, today is that, you know, the fact that we've been at war for the better part of the last 15 years, um, and and that that those are wars that have been largely... Fought by um, a, an all-volunteer military, and and this is something new in our history. Um, this this conflict is the first conflict that the bo- the burden has been shouldered by um, a, a military force of volunteers, and that naturally disconnects the costs and consequences of war from the majority of our citizens. And um, it, it's not it's not necessarily a function of of um, some intentional decision on on the part of um, those who aren 't military connected, but it does create um, a dimension of of social isolation and social disconnectedness from uh, among those who have served
3: when they come home mm. so so because I think a lot of people and i 'm sure you'd think have thought this that at some point that you know boy it's good because these are people that want to be in the military this is their passion their love they go after it they chase it but what you're saying is because we can because we can have a volunteer military there's other consequences that happen which are we don't we don't maybe even know people that are in the military we don't can, our brother isn't at risk of going to have going to join the military so it actually it just moves us Away from the real consequences
8: sure and you, you touch on your question touches on really two issues there one um, i I think because and i 'll use that phrase again because one of the consequences of an all volunteer military is to largely disconnect the consequences of of war from your average American um, from a from a, a policy perspective, it actually makes it, in, in my estimation, far too easy to leverage military force hmm. as an instrument of policy because, um, you know, the folks that make those decisions are not the military, they're, they're politicians, and and when their constituencies um, are not largely impacted by using military force, it, it makes it, I think, a little easier to um, to... Allow military force to be leveraged as an instrument of policy, but the other the other consequence um, goes back to this this idea of of social isolation and disconnectedness among those who have served. And you know, for example, we see this play out on college campuses all the time. You know, when you 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 look at a, a, a student population of you know ten thousand, fifteen thousand, twenty thousand. And among that group, there might be um, 100, 200, maybe that have worn a uniform, um, particularly during a time of war. It, it, it creates an environment where they look to their left, they look to their right, and there's there's nobody that mm. has that shared experience. Yeah, and uh, it, it it's it's difficult.
3: And then this isolationism, or and just being isolated and not having a peer. Uh, that that's there with you, um, I, I guess. Too that might be leading to other problems that we're hearing and seeing, suicide rates, um, and just I, I mean, I guess just just people falling off the map, veterans that are just disappearing.
8: Yeah, sure, and and uh, you know all of the research that um, that we've done here at the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, and that you know has been has been performed by others looking at um, the, this that. This set of issues, the 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 cultural, social, economic concerns of this generation of veterans, you know, one of the one of the um, strong antecedents, one of the, the the things that comes up over and over again in that research is um, th- this idea of social disconnectedness, social isolation. Um, you know, if you you watch my TED talk, you know, you heard me tell the story of a you know a young veteran that you know I had a chance encounter with on an airplane who um, you know rattled off a a host of challenges that he has faced since he's been home but um you know the the thing that he describes as as most challenging most troubling um, is now that now that he is home, he feels anonymous among the very people that sent him off to war and mm. I, I think um, that is a um, that 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 anonymity, that that isolation, um, is something new to this country. If you think about our, um, you know, our, our history, um, even through Vietnam, you, you we had a, a conscription, a draft uh, model of military service where, you know, a, a large percentage of Americans shouldered the burden of our of our military conflicts. That's not true today. Right. You know? So. When our service members come home um, and, and transition to civilian life, it, it's very, very often um, they, whether it's in the workplace, on a college campus, um, et cetera, you know, in their neighborhoods, there are there are not many um, people that that they can look to and say, you know, this this is this is my peer, this is someone who has that that same shared experience.
3: Yeah, and I, and then we we kind of say. Well yeah, but you don't need that because you you know we're paying for your education or we're there's some other benefit you you got paid to go do it but the reality is there's something there's no honor there's no I, I think a lot of us would um and they're not in uniform and you can't like when a when a soldier gets on an airplane and you can see him you can thank him and appreciate him but when they come home and they take their uniforms off and they just get they fall back into uh the regular world, there is this anonymity, and and there's this. It just seems like they're lost. They're gone. Yeah, yeah,
8: and and I think again, um, your your question, your question hits on a on a on a couple couple issues there, and and you know, one, I I, um, I have heard um, from folks before that that equate the all volunteer military to, you know, making. Any other vocational choice that right. would, would, would make right. whether that you know to be a, a teacher or a plumber, air or conditioner,
2: or a, yeah, yeah, fixing uh, but, air conditioners. You know,
8: I, I I I do have to I push back on that um, on that uh, comparison because what we're talking about here is someone who volunteered um, to be sent off to um, to to fight mm. and to wage war on on behalf of. I, I guess what i'm saying is um, when when someone volunteers for military service, they are volunteering to to shoulder the burden of a of a society's most morally troubling endeavor, and that is um, to to go off to war and I think we have a different level of responsibility um, to those folks, given that um, as a society we are conferring to them that um, that that moral choice, and, and and I think that's different than yeah. um, volunteering for um, to you know again to be a to be a, a school teacher or a plumber or a mechanic, um, and you know that that also though you know speaks to um, speaks to coming home and um, the extent to which we're able to support and empower. Um, those who have volunteered, when they take that uniform off, um, I think is, I believe, is is part of our moral obligation.
3: Mm. How and I have a friend that flew Apaches in um, Iraq, two or three tours, and Apache is a really bad instrument. He got really good at saving a lot of lives and doing a lot of stuff, high adrenaline, highly trained, comes home can't find a job especially you, there's no jobs as an apache helicopter pilot in the united states right so he he couldn't even get a helicopter pilot job and then needs to somehow i guess what get another job it's just it's got to be and and then like you're saying the anonymity of it all like nobody knows it's easy to fall into depression plus any PTSD other related issues how do we help them, Mike? How do we? What can we do to actually bring them to be more connected to them and 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 eliminate the social isolation? Yeah.
8: So on on the job front, you know, I I will say I, I give actually um, great credit to the nation's employer community for over the course of the last ten years for really um, stepping up and and taking this issue on. There are um, Large coalitions of of, of employers um, that have that have stepped up, collaborated, worked together um, to uh, to address the unemployment challenges facing this generation of veterans. And I think the last statistics I saw on the unemployment front, um, the unemployment rate among the nation's veterans is actually at its lowest point. Oh, great! Um, yeah. And, the last 15 years. As a matter of fact, I think it's lower than the unemployment rate for all Americans. And that, um, for for folks who have not followed that challenge, you know, I, I can say seven years ago, the unemployment rate for this generation of veterans was over 20. percent Oh, wow! So it, there has been a real sea change on on the on the employment front. Um, but that's only you know, as you mentioned, it's only part of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, you know, on the on the education side, I think this is where we have uh... an awful lot of work to do you know this generation of veterans you know, probably about seventy percent you talk about volunteering for service um, about seventy percent of of the post nine eleven generation of veterans who did volunteer for service indicate that they did so in large part for the opportunity to go to college you know the opportunity to leverage the the post nine eleven gi bill to get an education after service um, Here's where we have more work to do. If you look at, um, you know, the the extent to which traditional colleges and universities, and I'm I'm talking about, um, you know, the traditional non non-profit residency colleges and universities, the extent to which they're um, they have stepped up in the same way as the employer community has. I, I would argue they haven't. Um, if you if you look at the data, there are um, there there are only small pockets of, of post nine eleven veterans ten attending, you know, the this nation's mm. best colleges and universities. Yeah. And it and it's not because they don't have the, the, the credentials, the, credentials yeah. uh, the the work ethic to succeed there. It's because um, they don't largely uh, when you when you when you ask them the question, they don't feel like um they'd be welcome there Hmm. at those universities. They don't feel like they'd fit in. Um, And, and we have to change that. I, you know, I think uh, when you look back after World War II, um, you know, the, the, the original GI bill afforded the millions and millions of returning World War II veterans, the opportunity to pursue an education. And really it was that, that, that opportunity that, that kicked off the industrial revolution, the post-World War II industrial revolution in this country, you know, 600,000 engineers, 400,000 doctors, um, all in, in, you know, Pulitzer Prize winners, presidents, uh, all empowered as a consequence of the education they received made possible by the original GI Bill. We have that opportunity again for this generation of veterans, but the nation's colleges and universities um, need need to step up and um, take on the challenge of, of creating um, pathways for this generation of veterans to um, uh, succeed in a, the traditional college university environment. Mm,
3: I, I totally agree. Again, we're speaking with Dr. Mike Haney, and Mike is the founding executive director of Syracuse University's Institute for Veterans and Military Families. As uh, again, as we're as we are preparing for Veterans Day coming up this Saturday, we've got to figure out a way to to decrease the social isolation and the disconnectedness that so many veterans feel as they return back from um, from their service and just kind of get reabsorbed into the country or or not absorbed. Um, What else can we do? What else can I be teaching my kids about? military service I mean when I heard your idea of like the idea of reinstituting the draft so that everybody could feel an equal connection almost fear almost obligation um, it does make sense uh, but I also remember growing up thinking that the draft was coming and being terrified by it how do we how do we get our kids to really connect into these veterans if like you say too they're not in our world they they're not from my my neighborhood, my church, my community.
8: Well, you know that that's, um, but they're out there somewhere. They are, and yeah. I, I think the answer. To you, I think the answer to your question is, um, you know, to go find them. And and there are ways in every community around the country. There are community um, community connected organizations that, in in one part or another of what they do, um, they they serve veterans. And the extent to which you know, um, families that are otherwise disconnected from this community um, can engage in those community organizations um, to to really get to know who our veterans are. Um, you know, same thing is true of college campuses. There are, um, you know, Student Veteran of America chapters, for example, on college campuses. I, I think where I'm going with this is, um, again, similar to the, the message I concluded with on the on the TED talk TED talk is um, really I think the first step is is to to get to know who our veterans are, you know to take the opportunity um, to to somehow engage with veterans and you know whether it whether we're talking about generations from you know generations of, of veterans uh, that, that represent the, the post 9 11 community or the post Vietnam community or you know the, the really getting to know who they are and beginning to understand the service experience mm. and how the service experience then has implications for the um, the, the post service experience um, because I, I think at the end of the day that's um, that's that's where we can do the the most good you know I'll, I'll give you a, a, an example. Um, here from upstate New York, we had a, a local elementary school um, decided that they were going to um, help their their students um, uh, understand who veterans are on veterans day and they they gave an assignment to the students you know these third and fourth graders i think to to find a, a veteran in their family and and interview them hmm. well, it turns out that um, there was a large percentage of those students who had nobody to interview because they they you know even in their extended family there was nobody had been nobody that served so they reached out to us here and uh, at the institute and and we um, connected all those third and fourth graders with with veterans in this community that were not necessarily family members, but those third and fourth graders um, spent time with those veterans interviewed them about their service experience and I think tomorrow i 'm heading over to that elementary school to listen to these students talk about what they learned, and I think that's a great, very tangible example of of how um, you can bridge what has become this this divide between the um, civilian and and
3: veteran community I totally agree dr. Mike Haney beautiful uh, insights I think for all of us we we do we just need to be more proactive. go find them and uh and, and I've seen it with my own kids, and literally introduce them to some of these people that are not just heroes, but also just regular Joes, right? That that have gone out and um, served. It, it is; it's a job above every other job, um, if you're willing to go put your life on the line for all of us. We appreciate Dr. Mike Caney and his great work there as the Executive Director of Syracuse University's Institute for Veterans and Military Families. Uh, up next, we're going to do a little Coach's Corner on how we all could step up a little bit more and, um, and really use our brains, use our own human gifts to better understand those around us.
4: What's the matter with you, boy? You too stupid to do what your coach tells you? Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his
1: coaching corner.
3: Lay ball. ball. Welcome back, friends. You know, okay, so when somebody says to you that they're going to – that they think that you should reinstate the draft and you're a parent, you're a father, you're a mother, what goes through your mind? Does it terrify you? It probably should, right? I mean, it's a scary, scary idea. But if if there was a draft and, um, you know, somebody in every one of your – close friend groups, one 18, 19-year-old boy or girl would uh, be enlisted, or three, let's say, out of all of your kids' friends were enlisted into the military, or if everybody had to serve for, uh, you know, three months or go to a basic training and then a draft or whatever, um, how would that alter your thoughts about military service. If if one of your, you know, when your kids are graduating from high school and you hear, yeah, where are you going? Well, I'm going to go to this university. I'm going to this university. Um, I'm going on an LDS mission somewhere. And then one person says, yeah, I'm going to join the military. Do you, what do you think about that choice? Do you think, oh, well, that's, he could do, he really could do so much more than serve in the military? Or do you actually... Revere that choice. Everybody has an opinion, right? And I wonder if uh, one of the reasons why we don't seem to be maybe um, appreciating our veterans as much is because, like our guest said, it, they're not. It's not the military may not be part of your world anymore. You don't have to, you know. That the military is for the guys that like guns, the people that just like guns and kind of middle America people. The, the problem is um, the world is, is not necessarily a safe place. We have a lot of politicians making a lot of big decisions, and um, they're probably being uh, made by a certain bias, pro-military, against military. And think about de- Democrats and Republicans. We just had an election last night. And how many of those people today are, have served in the military fewer and fewer of our leaders have actually been in the military and yet they're making the biggest decisions of the of our lives about military activity going to war threatening going to war using military force so one of the things that we can all do as human beings is and this is a unique gift i think to us as humans is we actually can project we can we can actually understand, feel empathy, feel compassion. We can go and even learn more about experiences that we're not even familiar with and actually be influenced by those experiences. I watched Band of Brothers and it shook me to the core. And then I watched a similar documentary on what happened in the Pacific and it shook me even worse. To think about what these people were willing to do for our lives, And that wasn't even in it. Then I sat down with a veteran friend of mine. He's been on the radio show. We, in fact, we'll probably, uh, I'm going to try to see if we can't play, play some of his clips of his interview. And when I realized the sacrifices he made in Vietnam, it floors me. So I sit down with my kids and I'm doing everything I can to get in their head that sacrifice that people make. Um, I've said it on the show a lot. Uh, I appreciate all your opinions. Everybody's got one, but um, there's something different about somebody that's willing to put their their money where their mouth is or their life where their mouth is. And so somehow we've got to get these veterans to the front of the line. And uh, I think recognizing more of them, understanding more, sitting down and listening to them. And then if not, start actually asking yourself – how would we make different policy decisions? Would you vote differently? If there was a draft and your children could be sent to war because of the draft, would you choose a different leader? And what kind of leader would you choose? And what would be different about them? Just stuff we've got to be thinking about, folks. we I think a lot of us, we're just too much on autopilot when it comes to our political choices and um, but. There's something special about these people that are willing to step forward and put their lives in jeopardy for you. And let's let's do what we can this weekend to take care of them. It is Veterans Day this Saturday. We'll continue the journey up next. We're going to uh, have McKenna Bowser in the house and talk about why spiders scare us. You're not trained that way. There's something innate about it. That's straight ahead. It's the House of Baus. Welcome back, folks. It's the house, it's of Baus, house of Baus, which means it's McKenna Baus's turn to come in and enlighten us. She likes to blow our minds with the latest research, the greatest uh, new discoveries that are happening out there. One thing we can do now is rest easy. If spiders freak you out, if snakes make you cringe, it's just nature.
0: Yep, you're pretty normal.
3: So mom didn't make me you know freak out just because there's a spider because my mom freaks out every mom every dad every human has this weird aversion
0: yeah uh for me personally spiders are the the scariest thing out there i really hate spiders always have um and for a long time people have wondered if you know people who hate spiders like me yeah um and that's a lot of us maybe you
3: had a bad Experience. Yeah, you know,
0: is it something that we've learned? Is it you're taught it because yeah. spiders are always portrayed as this creepy, gross thing. Um and so some researchers in Europe they did the study where they took a bunch of babies six months old and they showed them um different pictures of flowers and fish yeah. and spiders and snakes. Uh-huh. And you know, babies they show fear differently yeah. than um, you know, regular folk, they don't necessarily scream the same way that we would when we're scared. Um, one of the biggest ways you can tell if a baby is scared is pupil- pupils dilate yeah. big time. And their pupils only dilated in response to the spiders and the snakes. Really? Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that they know that this isn't necessarily something that's taught is because you know, you're doing this with babies who haven't necessarily been exposed to this. Yeah. You know, Babies that aren't growing up in, you know, third world areas where there's lots of big, you know, animals that you're going to be coming into contact with, you know, more frequently or even just, you know, babies who are from maybe more tropical areas that are fully developed where bugs show up. (laughs) Um, And so this is something first real exposure. They're still showing extreme signs of fear.
3: Interesting. And so snakes and uh, snakes and spiders, but not necessarily like a monkey.
0: Yeah, no. Um, it's, a lot of it has to do with these things that we traditionally think are sort of And
3: so, it's, so I guess it's like it's genetic. It's evolutionary. We, we've had this. We've kind of over years and years and years, we have this reaction to them.
0: Yeah, we've learned to fear these venomous creatures. Mm. And it's, it is in our gut.
3: That's kind of nice to know. Yeah. Now, by the way, so so let's just say if I drop a mice, uh, I mean a mouse down your uh, your sweatshirt and would that creep you out?
0: Me personally, I Little mean. Little
3: mice feet just grabbing on your neck.
0: Mice themselves don't scare me too much. Yeah. It's, it's mostly the spiders. It's, they have too many legs. They move weird.
3: Yeah, but you can just smash them.
0: I don't want to get close enough to have to do that. That's Shoot. me standing in the other corner of the room, that's you good. know, calling, "Hey, come, come get it."
3: That's it's actually good. So if somebody's freaking out, then it's just they have a really nice, healthy reaction.
0: Yeah, and you know, one of the things that's interesting about this is, you know, we just finished up Halloween. Yeah, a lot of people assume young children, babies, they don't really necessarily get yeah, all the spooky things. So this. for putting all the spiders around and snakes yeah. and stuff, yeah, heads up, you might be terrifying your six-month-old you
3: might be creating a lot of bills later with the doctor
0: yep a lot of stress
3: mckenna bouse is her name good to know uh you should be afraid of spiders and snakes it's natural it's not it's not something your parents did to you unless of course your parents did make it worse by giving you spiders and snakes and surprising you and ah! great stuff mckenna bouse is her name we'll continue the journey this is the matt townsend show you're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. It's the House
2: of Bows.
4: This is The Matt Townsend Show.
7: Your guide on the side.
4: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show.
4: Call the show at 1 855 Chat BYU.
1: This is The Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
3: Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. Uh, Post election celebration for apparently the Dems, the Democrats. They're getting all the credit for a sweep.
4: Wrong. Well, of four, five elections. Well, there's been several special elections to kind of replace people that went into President Trump's cabinet. Yeah. And the Democrats lost every one of those. Ah. I I don't know what the. Prospects of them winning any of those were because they were they were really Republican GOP seats type. that were pretty yeah. solid. So, but still, they lost every one, and every, with with every loss, you'd hear you know headlines or hear people talk about, oh, what are the Democrats going to do? They're just they're just getting they beat just on every sliding, level, and right? This is their first big win, so yeah, victory lap. They
3: for, won Virginia you know. uh, governor. They won the New Jersey governor
4: race, plus. Bill de Blasio's back de Blasio's as mayor of New York.
3: Yeah. Which I don't think was ever in question really, right? No. So is it a real big Dem push? Who knows?
4: In Maine, they circumvented the governor and uh, kept the funding for the health care that apparently the governor wants to get rid of. Yeah. So, are, there, are there term limits on being a mayor? Depends on the city. Yeah, probably, mm. yeah. the mayor local town... Uh, not too far from our studios here. A guy was in for 24 years. Yeah. He was voted out yesterday. Wow. He was a powerhouse. He used to be my mayor. In the city where I live, the two-term mayor was just voted out apparently. Gone! So but I'll see him the, this weekend and be like, dude, sorry. sorry
3: I, vote, I tried. Sorry, I tried to help you. <laughs> but part of the issue is, uh, is it good to run with Trump or is it good to run against Trump? It depends on where you are.
4: It, it does and depend on And in Virginia, where you are. the guy, the Republican there had to play this game of – I'm with Tim, but we're not just going to talk about him all the time. Yeah. And people, well, and, if you're with him, why don't we fly him in? And he just is yeah. right there in D.C. He can and just come over. He didn't have anybody from the Trump administration come down and endorse yeah. him. He, he didn't want to have any sort of connection that way. And President Trump kicked out a tweet this morning saying, because he didn't embrace me, that's why he lost. You want, the, uh.
5: you want to be like a cyclist riding behind a car. Yeah. You want so you're to, you getting drafting. All, yeah, you want to get all that, but yeah. you don't want – you want to be out of harm's way too. Well, but
3: the problem with that, like let's say you're, you're the contender Gillespie and mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to draft off of President Trump. You don't know when he's just going to slam on the brakes and you're going <laughs> to ram right into his backside or you don't know if he's just going to veer off and then a, you're going to find a truck coming right at you. You don't know. Ah. So when you're drafting, the guy in front of you always has to be fairly predictable and you have to stay close to him. And that may be what Gillespie didn't want to do is be too close to the president because whether you love the president or not, he still has an overall uh, disapproval rating of like 56
4: percent of the country. Yeah. Well, more his, his the number I saw this morning, 39 percent approval, 39 percent mm. approval for the country. Yeah. But and so and it's close in Virginia. It's around there. The number I heard yesterday. But so
3: 39 percent, That's actually, that actually sounds really good because you, well, you're sure, already was, at 40 percent if you could just run on his coattails. The,
4: the number earlier in the week was 38. So, yeah, yeah. he's gone up at a but point. The, hey, Granted, the, he left the country. So.
3: Yeah, but the problem is you, you have to still overcome the 58 well, percent disapproval rating. There's that. And so, but that's fake news. That, yeah, It just makes politics hard. And, yes. and so now what we're finding out – and this will matter because in uh, next year, one year from now, By the way, President Trump will have been in two years. Yes, this is true. uh, Except uh, Trump years are like dog years. They feel like they take seven years for every year. Right.
4: To some. Hmm. To some. Some are just breezing through life. Everything's great. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And those (laughs)
5: luckily are the ones that don't have TV or radio. That's right. Doesn't that (laughs) depress you, though, that this starts all over again in a year, that we have to go through... Two years of people running for president.
4: Depending on where you are and who's running, this may start in a couple months. This may start in a
5: couple weeks. Isn't that depressing, though? Uh, So much money. So much money, so much time coverage.
4: I'm already getting emails from candidates saying, hey,
5: Uh, I'm running, blah, 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 help me out. uh, Yeah, that's right there where you say, okay, I'm not talking
3: to you ever again. Unsubscribe. Somebody's got to say something. Uh, So we will be – You know, we will always cover – the headlines whatever level that is whatever's going on will be on the top of it cuz yeah well, I won't be. Reluctant. Terry will be, sure. Because Terry and Terry's, you know, got but nothing else my to do approach, the rest
4: of the day. My approach is to look at it as, say, like a uh, a drama or a soap opera yeah. type of thing, and not really try to take it all as real life, even though it is. And I know this. And you I just know it's real the story life storylines. And... But it's like, okay, well, so he does this. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to do? Yeah. And it's just story back and forth. But you, look like, at it that but way. you
3: would listen. You'll listen to it the rest of the day. You'll be. Oh, you'll yeah. Keep going. I've on been this. listening to it all morning. Yeah. It's I won't great. listen to it again. Yeah. I've done my part. I find it very interesting. But I, what I will be listening to up uh, a little bit later, we'll be talking to Brian Willoughby, a professor here at BYU. He's going to teach us how to fall in love with anyone. And I want yeah, you guys to listen. I don't know. I want there's, you guys to listen because I really think it'd be neat if you could somehow fall in love with.
4: There's a bunch of questions, like a like a a date interview type thing. Like, hey, yeah. how are you, and what are you interested in, and you go through a yeah. bunch of questions. There's a study that says yeah. if
3: you ask these questions and you spend some time eye to eye. It increases the likelihood you'll fall in love with someone. I don't know. It's actually been validated.
4: I'm going to guess someone in the interview may drop the words emotional intelligence.
3: Yeah. I just think (laughs) that maybe that'll be discussed. This is why you have a complete aversion to it. Yeah, I'm like, emotions? No one has emotions. But you did the same thing with your wife. Either that or you had some dirt on her that she had to marry you
4: no nah, she was I don't know her reasoning. she
3: fell in love because you you talked about these things for these me it,
4: for me it was like okay I like you and then we had a meeting about our finances and I go well that's gonna work I guess there's no reason let's close this deal what's so it gonna was, take to
3: get you in this marriage our, today our, our it fina- was logic
4: our financial fondue uh, date that we had it was great is that what you call it financial Except fondue the fondue was so expensive I go, this is just melted chocolate and fruit what are we doing but you're closing the deal. Yeah, we closed the deal. It was a dinner It was a dinner deal meeting. And Notice, not one
3: word of romanticism, not one word of emotion involved yeah. in your description or in of that, how you knew. Or,
5: or in that date, really, too. So. Wow. We had our first date over Mexican food and card games. Really? Mm-hmm. So she
4: lost a bet? <laughs> I went curling. That's right. That's right. romantic. I went curling on the first date with the broom and the cement little disc thing yeah like your toes curled when you kissed her no 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 we were on the you was, actually went did you curling yeah the olympic the olympic well canadian sport of curling yeah we did that it was great and you I, had I fell down multiple times maybe yeah, that in kind that of endeared, endeared me, me to her. Him, yeah. like oh look at him He's See a now, klutz.
5: now that's a romantic comedy right there that yeah. totally it is yeah. it's not a romantic comedy unless somebody falls down that's right plus he carried his own broom Threat. And she assumed that meant he'd do the
4: sweeping in the house. And I kinda do. So there See, you go.
3: Bada boom, bada bing.
4: We just got a new vacuum. Bada broom, bada bing. Wow. It's awesome. <clears throat> that was just a little side note. Did you notice the most
3: emotion we got out of that entire segment was him talking about his new vacuum? Yeah, it has so many attachments. Awkward. Well, okay, we'll get to all that fun stuff, but first to the headlines with Terry. What else should we be paying attention to?
4: Republican Senator Jeff Flake and Democratic Senator Martin Heinrich from New Mexico are joining forces to drop a bill that would prevent anyone convicted of domestic violence, be it in criminal or military court, from buying a gun. Flake announced this on Tuesday. Congress technically already made it illegal for anyone convicted of domestic abuse to buy again in 1996, although poor database and background checks can result in abusers obtaining weapons anyways, the New York Times reports. For example, the uh, law's so-called boyfriend loophole means that The measure only applies if the victim and abuser live together and are married or have a child. brother. So if you're a boyfriend and you abuse your girlfriend, you can still go buy a gun. Why don't we
3: not propose any more legislation, but just propose funding for the current legislation we have so that we can get everything up to date?
4: It could be, yeah. Man, do I have to do everything. Flake and Heinrich want to close the loophole in which the military has failed to report domestic violence misdemeanors. Um, as we've uh, reported previously, they've already talked about we're going to do this. They need so. more
3: domestic violence laws anyway, I promise. I have right. many clients terrified because there are, saw a not number, enough saw a number this
4: morning. The, most, the majority of uh, gun deaths in homes are about domestic violence. Yeah. I mean, that's what the problem mm. is. So there, there's a target. There's a problem right. we can get our hands
3: around. Don't say target. Sorry.
6: Okay. Well, I mean, but can't. there
3: is something we can focus on. And oh. by the way, let's not let this just be hype. Post-Texas shooting, like right. we had hype talk mm-hmm. post uh, Las Vegas. Las Vegas.
4: Mm. In other news, when President Trump announced in June his intention to withdraw the United States from the Paris Agreement, that's the climate change agreement, the global pact to eliminate carbon emissions and attempts to slow climate change, he put America in the company of just two other non-signatory countries, Syria Syria. And Nicaragua. Nicaragua initially rejected the deal because it was not strict enough, but in October added its name to the list of signatories. On Tuesday, Syria announced it too will ratify, or what's left of Syria actually, will satisfy the, or ratify the agreement as a climate summit taking place in Germany this week. This leaves the U.S. as the sole nation not participating in the pact. Hmm. Yes, even isolated coal-reliant North Korea has joined the climate change Pact. French authorities say U.S. President Donald Trump is not among the more than 100 world leaders invited Paris for the climate summit next month. French President Emmanuel Macron plans the summit to push his "quote make our planet great again" agenda. on mm. December 12th, the anniversary of the Climate familiar. Accord. The French diplomatic <laughs> officials of the countries invited are those who especially are committed to applying the Paris uh, Accord. That's a good idea. You know what they need? A red hats. That's right. They need red hats, cheap red hats. Yeah, I was reading along like, okay, oh, he used the the slogan. Good, make yeah. America. <laughs> Good oh, job. So, have you seen the handshakes? No, they, they've met the You know, they had the first handshake where Macron really like yeah. oh, yeah, and yeah. wanted to dominate the handshake. Yeah. And then they tried it again, and he tried to dominate the handshake. He and Trump's like, dude, I, I'm trying to let go here. And they you? start wrestling. Mm. Come on. Uh, The American Civil Liberties Union is coming to the defense of a blogger who criticized pop star Taylor Swift for her popularity in alt-right and white supremacist circles. Writer Megan Herring received a letter from Swift's attorney demanding she retract the article and threatening to sue her if she did not comply. This is a completely unsupported attempt to suppress constitutionally protected speech, Michael Rishner, an attorney of the ACLU of Northern California, said in a statement. Herring added that she will not be intimidated by the legal threat. The press should not be bullied by high-paid lawyers or frightened into submission by legal jargon. Well, what would make them submit? And then she says, "These scare tactics may have worked for Taylor in the past, but oh, I am not wow. backing down." These guys just need to shake it off. No, she shake it off. Taylor Swift is popular in the alt-right community. Well, yeah, but this that is doesn't, factual.
5: Well, but that
4: okay. And so the the woman pointed it out, and but, then Taylor came after her. So but she's Taylor like, just, did, but Taylor Swift doesn't write lyrics. No. That are, it's just. Sure, but I mean, it's, a, it's not like she made up a, a, a story. It's a fact. If you go into forums, you go into. Well, these okay, groups, I know, but Taylor but, Swift's popular. Well, I there. know, but so is God. N- okay, fine, but I mean, it's something <laughs> to say that this he woman. didn't do anything. And it's nothing of, of Taylor Swift's doing, it's yeah, just no. she's popular. Yeah, yeah. There.
3: but you can't, then you can't go beat
4: people up legally. The, the reaction that way, yeah, that's is the, the problem. You got to be really careful. By the way, uh, this may have more to do with the fact that Taylor Swift's new album comes out on Friday. Oh, boy. They're expecting two million album sales in, in next week. Is that just alt-right album sales? No, or this would that... just be album sales. But they don't want anything. Tar- they don't want it to have no, people yeah. like, oh, you it's sub- white supremacists like that. Well, so. so
3: is this This is all timed for right no, now? Absolutely.
4: So the ACLU is involved. Yeah. Wow. Kind of fun. And uh, apparently the, the album won't be on streaming services for maybe two weeks. Really? Taylor because Swift she's got to get her sales. She though. likes to hold, yeah. you know, create demand. Yeah. And then now she's negotiating. So there's a whole other story on top of that. Is Russia involved in this in any way? Who knows? Who knows? They're everywhere nowadays. And finally, Ichi Yuduchi, I can't say the dude's name, a 36 year old founder of a Japanese company called Family Romance. The company provides actors available for hire to portray an array of personal relationships for the client, from father to husband and beyond. Mm -hmm. Family Romance now boasts a a roster of 800 actors for hire. The founder still takes uh, paid roles from his own Clients himself, though, including his first successful gig, one that as the father of a twelve year old girl. He says that eight years later, he is still playing father to that girl, and uh, she's now a high school graduate. She does not know that he is not her true father. (gasps) Family romance offers clients a more ideal form of reality. This is all in the Atlantic if you want to read more. It says, I believe in the term real is misguided. Take Facebook, for example. Is that real? Even if the people (laughs) in pictures haven't – you don't even know if they haven't like staged the photographs you're you're looking at from your friends. So that's not even real. So this doesn't matter. What happens when the girl needs a
3: kidney transplant?
4: Yeah, you're not
2: Uh,
4: I'm not your real father. So do you think family resource in Japan is a – Evil – Pro- production of Darkness? I, yes. I guess that's what your opinion of it is. That's it? crazy. Yeah. Stand-ins for your family.
3: What about – I mean, could I – when I was 17, could I have hired a mother yes. from there to do my Eagle project for me?
4: Sure. Or maybe you're in trouble at school. They're not acquainted with your family and you can hire an actor to be your mom and then you get out of trouble because – it's just an actor. It's not no. your mom. Right? I need
3: you to really sell this thing.
4: This just sounds like bad 80s sitcoms. Totally. That tried to bring in the older brother mm-hmm. as my dad to write the note or come talk to the principal Why do say it Why you those backfires. were bad? Because the just, sitcoms were great. Because there was like 20 of them and they all did the same thing. And
3: then somebody in and Japan a, said, we could make money on this.
4: A very special episode.
3: Boy, what is this? <laughs> okay, you're going to be sleeping grandpa.
4: <laughs> you're
3: going to be lick your finger, wipe my mouth, grandma.
5: Yeah, this is a great cast. We, I just struck a pose yesterday that I, my wife and I did at the same time. And I thought, this is just straight out of like an 80s, 90s sitcom where we both kind of shrug our shoulders and put our hands <laughs> out, yeah. out you, and, and, and tilt you, our
3: head. And you were both wearing turtlenecks and corduroys. <laughs> oh, that was a great pose. Did you do it together? Like had the kids just done something and you
5: looked at each other like, what? <laughs> we tried. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. We should make up our own. Catchphrases on the show, like uh, give me an example. Give you an example. Uh, let's see. See. It's well, well said. let me give you an example of some real ones, and maybe that'll spark okay. your creativity okay. a little bit. So, there's. Did I do that? <laughs> did I do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's. Uh, what else is there? That's wait kind wait of till your one. father gets home. I'm gonna one Boy, of these I days. Oughta- I'm gonna smack you to the moon or whatever it was. <laughs> Yeah, let's not do that. What? It's just a lot of work. How about we uh, – oh, we've mm-hmm. already got one that we've used several times. What? Whenever something goes wrong, we typically throw our hands up in the air and we say, Palakiko! <laughs> uh, those new listeners don't know who Palakiko – Palakiko
3: is one of our producers. He's also the host of Cooking It With Kiko. Cooking With Kiko. Cooking With Kiko and uh, the laid-back sitcom, Kicking It With Kiko. <laughs>
5: That was the 90s version.
3: By the way, he's also a poi master chef. Really? He can... Oh, boy, can he poi. That's his phrase.
5: I think that's another one of our catchphrases. Oh, boy.
3: (laughs) He really is. He used to go uh, hunt... No, sell poi for a poi farm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. We'll have Kiko on again. Um, You know... We 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 were going to do a show, kick, cooking with Kiko, but then we found out that our show is a te- is a radio show, not a television show, and that made it a little more complicated.
5: Well, but he uh, the way he presented it, it seemed so real that you could almost smell the food coming through the speakers. Yes. Eh.
3: Uh, let's get to some more empty news while we have a minute um, before we bring on Dr. Willoughby and find out how to fall in love. Any news stories we should be covering in the empty news area?
5: Well, we teased this earlier, and it's very timely because, you, as you've been mentioning the whole program, that uh, we had an election. Yep. So there's a New York City mayoral candidate who says that he was shocked that so little attention has been paid to his arrest for trying to hijack an airliner at gunpoint 17 years ago. What? <laughs> it's kind of a big deal, so right? He ran. He ran for New York City mayor. Look him up. So it's uh, it's Aaron Comey is how you say it. C O M M E Y. He boarded a National Airlines plane in New York in July of two thousand, and he ordered the pilots to fly for, to Argentina or Antarctica. No way. You no know, one of the way. other one of those A names. Just go to a place with an A name. Uh, it never took off, and nobody was injured. He was acquitted by reason of insanity in two thousand three. Three years later. By the way, it's it's spelled like Comey. I wonder right. if he's related to. But it, this FBI says it's pronounced Comey. Comey, Comey exactly. Uh, so he was released from a prison medical facility in two thousand fifteen. So was just released two years ago. The Libertarian candidate tells the news magazine City and State, uh, New York, that it's reasonable for voters to wonder if he's suited for office. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't vote for me either. <laughs> he says he has fully tried recovered. To hijack an airplane. <laughs> he has fully recovered and is committed to nonviolence. But see, that's the thing. You can come back. Uh, and by the way, on his website, crush the status quo.
3: And if not, hijack it. Is that – that's, that's him. not what he said. No, but I think it's – I mean, again, that's a great story because he – it shows that he can come back. He does have a voice. But the bigger story is were people not talking about the fact that one of the candidates had tried to hijack a plane?
5: I think a bigger question is should we be voting for somebody who was released from a prison medical facility two years ago? Sure. I don't know if two years is enough time. Well, we don't want to judge. But – you do want to forgive, yeah, but but you know what the good
3: news, I guess, or bad news is he he was running for New York City mayor, but he didn't win, but it oh. doesn't mean he didn't make he didn't influence the election in some way, so maybe he'll do it again next time that's what makes america great
5: I'm all about forgiveness, yeah. uh, but you know i don't i i don't know how much experience he racked up in those. Twelve well, years in a prison. You know what did he, he did, by the way, gain, and again, it's
3: probably needed, is insight, feedback. He understands the system. He understands what's going on. <sighs> I, what I worry about is some of the politicians he ran against probably haven't talked to anybody like him
2: mm.
5: ever. Here's another quick question. Yeah. Have you ever walked out of a grocery store and uh, forgotten that you had something in your hands that you hadn't paid for? Oh, yeah. You have? What yeah. did you do? Did you just keep walking or did you well, go back yeah. in? I had
3: stuff in my hand last – this was just three days ago. And okay. I walked out of the store because I needed a cart. Yes. So I went to the front of the store where they had the carts, but then I saw one just right out of the door. So I walked out the door, grabbed the cart, and then in my hand I had the stuff and I'm like, oh, that looks bad. Yeah. And then I put it all in the cart. So nothing happened. Nobody tased okay. me. No alarms went okay. off. Okay. But I noticed, see, I guess my conscience kicked in. you ever walked out of the store with a baby that wasn't yours? No way. I don't even walk out with my babies.
5: So this happened in Maine. Oh, no. Police are saying that an absent-minded shopper at a Maine grocery store took somebody else's cart with a sleeping <laughs> baby inside. Oh, no. Causing a lockdown and a police investigation. Huh. Portland police say the shopper was mortified when he realized his mistake, oh, but bet. didn't bother to alert anyone on Friday. Instead, the shopper left a cart in another part of the store and retrieved his own cart. So he didn't go up to anybody no. and say, uh, excuse me, there's this missing baby. He just kind of like hit it over yeah. in the bulk aisle. Covered it with blankets. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> else will clean that up. Oh, um, Police, uh, police say that the store video backs up what he's claiming. Police Chief Michael uh, Soschuk. Who? Soschuk. Soschuk. Says grocery store staff quickly locked down the store. Police determined the conduct did not warrant criminal charges. The baby was restrained in a car seat and slept through the entire Aww. scare. I'm willing to bet he was texting we're doing something yeah. on his phone. But and how he many didn't of notice us? Baby how there? many of
3: us are really that unconscious? We do. We just walk around like a bunch of zombies. That's why there's a zombie apocalypse. We keep waiting for it to happen, it's, and the reality is, it's already happening. And we're not going to look as bad as they make it look. We're going to look like normal people, but zombies stealing a baby you didn't even know you were stealing. What's happening to America? Well, uh, up next, we're going to teach you how to fall in love with anybody, according to some research. Uh, 36 questions you got to ask, a little activity, a little eye to eye, and bada boom, bada bing. It'll be love. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: But I can't help falling in love
3: with you. Wow, Elvis maybe was incredibly right. You may not be able to help falling in love, uh, or you actually could help, it if you want it to happen more, Uh, joining us is Dr. Brian Willoughby. He's an associate professor in the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University. He also uh, is an expert in in dating, sexuality, cohabitation, marriage formation, marital attitudes and beliefs, and is the author of the book, The Marriage Paradox. Dr. Willoughby, welcome to the show, my friend. Good to be here again. Good to have you. You... um, You brought us something really interesting today. Yeah. Apparently, according to some research by uh, Arthur Aaron, who, by the way, his wife is Elaine Aaron. Do you know who she is? I don't. She wrote the book about high sensitivity. Oh, right. So highly sensitive people. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they're quite the duo. Right. But um, he, he did a really interesting study that basically says you ask certain questions, have certain conversations, eye to eye contact. Right. And
7: you can fall in love. You have a high likelihood of That's right. love. Yep. Explain how this could work. So it's based on this idea of of the science of love, right? And, and love is this really ambiguous word, yeah, first right. off, right? And, and usually we're talking about this kind of sense of, of desire and attraction to someone, mm-hmm. wanting to, to, to further get to know them. And we know that a lot of that is based on disclosure and vulnerability. Right. And so the whole idea behind this study is can you put just about any two people together and create a moment of vulnerability and disclosure that then will potentially create love? And that's what the study was finding is that more often than not, you put someone next to each other, like you said, eye contact, ask certain questions that facilitate that disclosure and vulnerability, and – that people tend to fall in love, or at least it, it report. I mean, we want to be yeah, careful. Yeah. They report feeling love and affection some, for that some person. Some affection. Connection. Yeah.
3: Now, and, and you, but you also, you like if you were doing it in different rooms, maybe you wouldn't have the same connection. Is there something about doing it, or right. I guess the eye to eye was a different part of it.
7: Yeah, because, because part of communication is nonverbal. Yeah. And right. so you're, you're getting that connection through body posture, through eye contact, mm-hmm. through all the nonverbal signals that we're sending. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting because. Uh, now you're going to have all these people trying
3: it. Right. But we did a story and we had her on the show of a woman that, uh, just a journalist that wrote about this and actually tested it out with a boyfriend that she's had for a long, not a boyfriend, a friend that she always kind of wanted more. He, but their timing was right. never right. And, uh, they did this and it actually worked. Yeah. And I think married. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it did work. It totally worked. Yeah. Um, but part of this too is – this This is stuff you've talked about before. But we – a lot of times we're not vulnerable. We're building this facade, this illusion right. about how great and grand we are. What kind of questions are these that make us feel vulnerable?
7: Yeah. So it's interesting because the questions themselves are are not about like tell me the deep dark yeah, secrets of your, your family. Embarrassing. Yeah. It's just it's, – it's the kind of – Almost water cooler conversation. It's it's funny. It's the conversations you have with your best friends sometimes. Like if you were if you were to have dinner with one famous person, who would it be? Yeah, yeah. If you could change one thing in your life, what would it be? Right. So they're not like the the deep hurtful type. But sometimes we think about being vulnerable as I need to talk about this abuse I had right. growing up. Right. And it's not that. It's just questions that facilitate. Here's what I really think about the world, huh. and here's what I really want to do with my life, and here's some of my gr- regrets in life. You know, here's some the things I like and get excited about. And it's interesting because for a lot of us, I think one of the biggest takeaways from this study is to help us understand what what should I be doing on my dates? That's a great question. Right. I mean a lot of times we
3: – it might get too physical. So right. we're only doing physical. Or mm-hmm. it might be that we're
7: just only doing something fun. It's always right. about fun. Yeah. But this is about engaging in a conversation. Right. Yeah. Or, or or a lot of times people feel like on those first couple dates that you either have to have like the really – Small talk, meaningless conversations like what sports do you like yeah. and what you – know, or, well, I want to get to know you, so I'm going to have to ask these really deep questions. And so the, these are great examples of questions that seem kind of silly, but yeah. over the dinner table on a first or second date can really help facilitate some of that connection, help you to really get to know someone. And there are 36 questions. In that study, yes.
3: And the interesting thing too is I guess 36 questions would take time. Right. Do, do you, are you supposed to do this in one sitting?
7: Um, I mean, and, can you fall in love in one dinner? <laughs> well, in the study, they, they, they did They do, it, yeah. But, but like you said, it would it would take some time, right? It would, it would take, depending on how in-depth our answers are are getting in yeah. these. Uh, but that's part of it too, right? Is that as we not just ask one, two, three questions, but if we're having this type of conversation around 30-plus questions, uh-huh. I'm going to really get to know you. And I'm going to really feel connected to you. Like I said, these are questions we oftentimes joke around with our friends and it helps us feel connected to our pure Uh, relationships. And so by the end of that, I'm going to feel like, wow, I I really got to get to, I got to know you. I felt, you know, across 30 questions, there was 15. I totally agree on you. Yeah. And I'm going to maybe focus in on those and and this connection that we had.
3: Um, Would it, this is interesting because I guess this can get, uh, I guess, been validated that it could get a natural or a kind of a connection up front. Would this
7: work if you've been married 20 years and you feel like you've lost that loving feeling? Um, potentially, because, again, what, what this is doing, and, and we want to be clear, and, and they, they talk about this in the study and some of the things that have come out since then, that this feeling of love and connection is somewhat fleeting yeah. in a lot of ways. right? This, this isn't what you establish a long-term relationship on. So for a couple that's been married for 10, 20 years that is looking for something to you know get out of the we go to a dinner the and funk. a movie right. type of thing, yeah, absolutely, because it can reestablish that sense of connection. Like, hey, you know, tonight or this weekend for our date, let's sit down and, and ask ourselves these questions. And and honestly, what I think for a lot of couples they'd find is, is well, I didn't actually know that. I, wow. I, I don't know who you'd want to have dinner yeah, with if you could only have dinner with one person. And so it can it can change things up. It can create that and foster that sense of connection that maybe is important for some couples they haven't had for a while. And I guess, too, you'd have to be
3: careful – because if – it seems like in relationships, once I kind of have this paradigm of you, I might – like – so if you like well, – OK, because you could either have it – I would have it with Jesus, of course, because he was the great of all time. Mm-hmm. OK. Well, I, that's funny because I'd want Mickey Rooney. Yeah. So – but if I don't – if I if I already negatively interpret you, whatever right. you say, right. I'm just going to be like, oh, geez, there we right. go again. Oh, see, exactly. There it is again. Oh, she's so just this way again. How do we – how do we in our relationships – because this is a fun time right. when you're just falling chemically in love mm-hmm. and having a great moment. Right. How do we stop negatively
7: yeah. twisting? So I think connecting the two parts of this discussion that we're having – if I'm on my first or second date, I obviously don't have that. You don't that. have any of that. What's my motivation? Well, I want to get to know you. I'm excited to yeah. get to know. I'm excited to know what your answers are. Can I carry that mindset mm. into the marital excited. relationship? Excitement, curiosity. Yeah. That, that even if, yeah, you know, here's the five things that we've been fighting about right. for, for 10 years. That's not what this is about. This is about I, I need to get myself excited and interested. I wonder what you're going to say. Hmm. I can't make that assumption that it's going to be this it's way or this way. Thing. And and that hopefully that excitement that this can be a fun thing mm-hmm. can help move us past that. A little
3: bit. Well, and two – because there's something about having somebody that's really curious about you that – so I guess part of this is actually not answering the question. This isn't right. like a test. Right. This is more – An exploration together where we create a lot of meaning,
7: right? And and part of this, and they didn't talk about it as much in the in the study and the media that came out afterwards. But this would be my assumption, knowing how relationships are fostered, is it might not even be the actual question in the first response. Right. It's the oh really?
3: Tell me more. Tell me
7: more about that. that." That's I didn't. I would never have guessed that. Yeah. It's it's those micro conversations in between that Mm -hmm. might really deepen some of that connection. And I get, yeah, and I guess this high
3: high tolerance to just be informed. Right. Exactly.
7: Yeah. If I if I'm just going through these questions and saying, question one, and I'm nodding, saying, okay, question two, question three, let's get through this. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm hungry. Yeah. It's not going to have this type of effect. And so interestingly, you wouldn't create connection. Right. Because by the time I got to question twenty five, my partner is going to be giving me one word answers because they're going to be getting feedback of you don't care. Yeah. About this. What about just the placebo effect that, that you're being told that
3: 36 questions, a little eye contact, bada boom, bada bing. Right. What oh, about yeah. just the effect
7: that you're anticipating connection? Yeah, that's part of it too. Like I said, that's part of that motivation. Why am I asking these questions? I want to be connected. I want to get to know you. That's certainly going to have an effect. That's cool. On what's happening. And especially if you're dating and you've tried everything.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, you can get a date, you go on a date, and you say, look, I want to just try yeah. these questions.
7: Yeah. Well, and, and here's the other fascinating implication of this type of study is think about how many young people are dating now and finding each other through online dating, Yeah. through Tinder and how completely devoid of this type of communication. Connections. There was a a time, I will not name the company, but I was asked by a company several years ago that does online dating to help them create uh, a matching system. And one of the things I came back and said, is, well, here's what I want you to do. No pictures. What you do is you connect people through an online chat mechanism, and all they can do for a while is talk to each other. It's just through thought and and communication. And then once you get past stage one, then I can see your picture. And your profile, and then we can decide how to go forward. And they they wanted nothing to do with it. What, are you crazy? Yeah, are you crazy? But it was based on this idea. Was this Tinder? No, it wasn't Tinder. (laughs) Which is all pixie. Um, But but so many people are entering and and looking for relationships not based on this type of mutual vulnerability. It's so true. Isn't that – and yet what I love about this is
3: this is like symbolic interaction theory at its best, right? This is – we're going to interact and create meaning right. together mm-hmm. as we – and the fun thing is to have a list. But again, like you're saying, it's not the questions that matter. It's the actual interaction. Right.
7: Yeah, it's the interaction. It's the disclosure. It's the, the vulnerability. It's, it's I'm sharing something about my feelings and, and how I think about the world with you in ways that maybe I wouldn't otherwise. Yeah.
3: You might need to test this more here yeah. on campus.
7: We can do that because in my
3: classes. Just you, bring them up. Just bring them up. In front like, of the class. Like pair them up. You remember how you yeah. do like times table races yeah. in class? Just line them up, two lines, male, yep. female, turn, question. Yep. Everybody ask. Speed dating. It's like speed dating. There we go. But speed questioning. <laughs> Is it um, – so when you look at – I mean Dr. Aaron, I mean there's research on it. He's been right. studying it and yet um, I guess the principles behind it overall are be curious, stay open – I
7: engage right. in what they're saying. Right. Let it influence you. Yeah. And, and, and like I said before, remembering that this is simply that first connection. Yeah. Right. Is is this is helping create that connection, helping us be invested with each other? But behind that surface, then, as we develop the relationship, there has to be something deeper. There has mm-hmm. to be things like commitment, and generosity, and loyalty. And, and some other things that we're going to build a foundation on because this type of connection is great and it's yeah. awesome. Boom. But it's not what you build a foundation right. on. But it's also – but there is something about being curious and vulnerable right?
3: and then me honoring your vulnerability and sustaining it. I mean – but that's what you have to teach, right? That
7: It's not the questions or the answers. It's right. everything else that's happening in between. Right. And and part of it too – and we've talked about this before – is that these questions are, are – about disclosure and vulnerability, but they're not about hard topics. No, no, no. It's not. Right. Yeah. And in a relationship and in a marriage, eventually I have to learn how to be vulnerable around those. And the that, big ones. that's, I tell my students, one of the hardest skills to learn. Can I be honest and vulnerable with my spouse when I know that what I'm going to say is going to hurt their feelings? Yeah. And, and, they, and you might know that they'll
3: have a tendency to react. Right. And can they not react? Right. So this really is, this is the first step. Right. And that would be the advanced placement class, right? Exactly of love. Yeah, and most of us actually probably get lost about the third step.
7: Right. Yeah, and and again, it depends on how you want to define love. As I, I think I might have shared this with you, is one of my mottos in in one of my classes on on relationships and marriage is is that just because I love someone forever doesn't mean I like them every day. Oh, right. <laughs> and 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 there's some truth to this idea that this this feeling of connection isn't going to last every day of my marriage and every day of my relationship. Now, this is why, like you said, it's important to maybe have a date like this yeah. every once in a while, to to put myself in in situations with my partner where we can reconnect in this way and recharge in this way. But I also have to be realistic that I'm not going to feel this deep connection yeah. every day of my life with my partner. Yeah, we,
3: need to, yeah, we need to kind of reframe romantic love, it seems like, right. for...
7: What real love is,
3: right? Real love is sticking with it even though it's hard.
7: Yeah, one of the uh, theories of love out there, Sternberg's love triangle. I yeah, don't know yeah, if You're familiar yeah. with that, and and I always point out to my students that he defined romantic love is passion and intimacy with no commitment. That's yeah. how he defined romantic love. That's a great way to look yeah.
3: Passion, yeah, intimacy, no commitment. Yeah. And in the end, you need all of it. Yeah, passion, commitment, and intimacy. Wow. You did it again. Dr. Brian Willoughby's his name. You're going to want to go to his website, drbrianwilloughby.com, drbrianwilloughby.com. And you're also going to want to check out his book, The Marriage Paradox. Thanks. Good to be here. Good to have you. He's got to get Thank back you. to grade midterms. Yes.
2: <laughs>
3: Good luck with that. Thanks. Brian, that's never easy. But uh, he knows what he's doing, and we're blessed to have him. We're going to take a break, and up next, we're going to be talking to our good brethren from BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. We are now in the elevator taking a one-floor ride down to BYU Sports Nation to the television studios where we are going to visit with our good brethren from BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen.
9: Hi, Matt. Uh, hello, you How you
3: doing? <laughs> you guys. Just your average Wednesday. Just, Wednesday. Just your average Wednesday. Hey, we forgot to ask you last time, and we need to know the story about uh, you met... Jeff Simpson's um, parents or in laws. Uh, yes,
1: I did. Oh, do tell.
3: How did that go? How did that a all church happen? Church
9: building just outside of Bulldog Stadium in Fresno. Really? Nice BYU alumni party there. Oh. Good turnout. And these nice people approach me and uh, tell me that they. Listen to me almost every day and enjoy the program. And Aww. then they say, we listen to some other people at BYU Radio as well. Oh, I was man. Like, oh, yeah. And they're like, our son-in-law huh. is Jeff Simpson.
5: Well, the, well, well. I was
9: like, well, let's go into the corner and discuss some serious matters like, now. C-
1: come with me. Come with me.
5: She never tells me that they listen to my show almost every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they don't every day. Because
3: it's different. The, I mean- yeah, um, you guys. That that's pretty. Did they have any dirt? Any anything that we need to so share publicly? I brought probably?
9: that up. I'm like, you need you need to give me something on Jeff. And they they said, well, we'll just tell you this much. He got lucky scoring our daughter.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> no, we all know that. <laughs> Is this true? Yes. Wow. I mean, they laughed after they said that, but yeah. like he,
9: yeah, he he really lucked
3: out. With he her. totally lucked if out. we
1: had known now what we know.
3: Yeah. Let's just say he wouldn't have been that lucky.
1: We would have made the same choice.
3: <laughs> That's great. I think these were the same in-laws that helped him fix his sprinklers last yes. year.
9: We did talk about the, uh, the Dodgers as well. and ah. they, they were optimistic. They said, hey, they got to Game 7. Hmm. They said there was a group message going on. Maybe, Jeff, you can confirm this. But apparently all you did after the Dodgers lost was send, like, a frowny face emoji.
3: <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, I believe it, though. Did it have mm. nachos in the emoji? Is there a nachos emoji? That's how I'm coping because he's the guy's been overdosing on nachos um, and and emojis. He just has been sending out emojis left and right. Hey, guys, I got to ask you this, too, because um, this this uh, seemed a little shocking. Uh, three UCLA basketball team players arrested for shoplifting Louis Vuitton uh, bags, I guess, out of a store in China.
9: Yep. And one of them has something in common with Jimmer Fredette. What? We're talk about that.
3: On oh, the show my today. heavens. Really?
1: Yep. Yeah, so LeAngelo Ball is one of the yeah. big, you know,
3: ballers. He's, yeah, he's from the he's, Baller well, family. He's,
1: trying to fit in. he's known as the uh third best uh, <laughs> baller. <laughs> Baby Ball because Lonzo is in the association. <laughs> yes. And then what's the youngest brother's name again? I can't remember.
6: I don't know. He's in high school. Yeah, he's a baller. We'll
1: he's a senior. And he's got offers from any and Everybody every major college is- program. Probably going to Oh be UCLA, man. Sounds like yeah. Um yeah, so they're, and now they're in trouble. Like Chinese law, the 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 max here is eight to ten years in prison. Wow, which is pretty intense for stealing, right? Oh yeah.
3: Well, and I mean, yeah, now you are on the low list of the ballers because you 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 were stealing a Louis Vuitton bag. Yeah, I mean that's, I mean, what is that where we are now? I mean, it used to be that you just would steal an Adidas bag,
1: and he's going to UCLA. Yeah. So,
3: so they've got bags. You'd
1: you think you'd be all right. You, know? you wouldn't need to steal anything. Uh, you're not at USC. You're at UCLA. Can you Am imagine I?
3: being arrested? <laughs> yeah, You're not at USC, Am so you're I not right? bad, Rich.
1: Not at Irvine.
3: But can you imagine, though, the Irvine, fear of being arrested by the Chinese no.
1: police? No, I don't always like to break the law, but when I do, I make sure I'm not in a foreign country, question yeah.
3: mark. And think of just the Chinese water torture Oh. Know what I mean?
1: Bloop, bloop.
3: Drifts, drip, drip by drip. In fact, I think that's a song, drip by drip. Um, so, what you guys? <laughs> y- y- you're still doing a show, right? Today, you're gonna you're gonna still keep pushing it Three out. Guest
1: day. That's, that we're filled to the brim.
3: Are you getting Jimmer? Is Jimmer gonna do a little comment? And no. Maybe Jimmer can throw his weight around in Shanghai. He's, get these guys out. Okay. Good point. Good point.
9: I'm not sure Jimmer wants to
1: help out the Big Baller Brand.
3: Yeah, he may <laughs> not.
1: Help huh? 361. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's his shoe deal.
3: I'm with you guys. I'm with you. What uh, What's coming up today on your uh, bit of heaven?
9: Oh, Matt, the final three. A trifecta of games remain for BYU football. Mm. Why do they matter? Or do they? Mm. <laughs>
3: My shoulder angel said, or do they?
9: Ah, uh, yes. That's Is nice. that me? Is that you? Yeah.
3: That, you're, you're my shoulder angel.
9: Hey, we have, uh, when Jerem whispered, it reminded me of something. We have a new perfume ad that you need to hear sometime.
3: <gasps> Excellent. <laughs> where, where can I find it?
9: <laughs> on our audio at, board. At, <laughs> at Big Lots.
3: <laughs> oh, at Big Lots. But it's on your audio board.
9: Yes. BYU Women's Basketball has... Uh, a Fantastic player named Cassie Broadhead
1: DeVajere. Mm. Okay, we think DeVajere is uh, Ooh, it's a great, yeah, that, a cheap <laughs> cologne. It sounds like a cheap cologne, <laughs> does,
3: does it? DeVajere,
9: and in fact, we're I think we might be able to play that for you right now. Okay, let's so just do it. Hang, hang time yeah. for just a second. Yeah. While, while we're waiting for that, I will tell you that we have a trifecta of guests today as well. Number three is the number of the day. Okay, Greg Rebel. Is going to join us, talk about what the heck's going on in BYU football and why everyone should be really excited about BYU basketball, which tips (laughs) off the regular season on Saturday. Okay,
3: cool, cool, cool. And
9: the head coach of ninth-ranked BYU women's volleyball, Heather Olmstead, plus
3: Diljeet
9: Taylor
1: of cross-country. They're top 20.
3: Wow. We always have good runners.
1: Okay, you ready for this? Yes. Here we go. What's that I smell? (laughs)
9: find it at your local big lots
3: <laughs> did you there guys you go did you just was did they replay that or did you just they lay did, that down life that. They
1: re, yeah they replayed them because it
3: <laughs> but i like the sniff what is that
1: do you smell that devachery
3: <laughs> by by the way though you land the big lots dill you're in the big city. You're you're in the you're big. You're in lot, world. and it's
1: large. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Even very big. Your local big lots. <laughs> well,
3: guys, that's a good show. If you're, are you gonna are you gonna use that on the show today?
1: Probably not. Uh, do want to add? We're gonna tell you the the latest on Nick Emery. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Emery update. Drama in the eight hundred one.
3: But he's not going to be anywhere near Shanghai Police Department.
1: That's. For a heck of sure. Okay, good. All
3: right, guys. Uh, we, uh, thanks for being on the show. Because you've been on the show, we're going to get you two Louis Vuitton bags straight from China. <laughs> that may not be the right place to, to try to steal a Louis Vuitton because it seems like a lot of times those are pirated counterfeit bags.
5: We have our own series of uh, they're not perfume commercials but they almost sound like they could be. Oh yeah. Like we had one for expensive Cheetos and mm-hmm. expensive pizza and uh, Legos was well, another one. Because they're sponsors on the show we have a
3: lot of sponsors that come and go and a lot of them tend to be really, you know, high-end products. Like like uh, you know, a pizza smelling perfume. Stuff like that, which, by the way, I didn't know exactly why I loved it so much. But now that I know that I'm 7 percent Greek or Italian, now I know that that's why I love pizza so much. In fact, Little Caesars becoming – I'm becoming a very close friend of mine. Pizza, pizza. Hey, as we like to wrap up the show with a hero story, here's a great one for all of us. Two quick-acting teens – And a third Good Samaritan are being hailed as heroes for rushing to save a man and a woman trapped in a burning car that crashed in Southern California. Alex Schreier and Jeffrey Bounds, both 16 and teammates on their high school baseball team, spotted the vehicle on its side and in flames late Friday along an Orange County Road, according to the AP. Alex dialed 911 while Jeffrey rushed to the car along with an unidentified man who also stopped to help. As I got closer, I could see the flames getting closer and closer to the main part of the car. As I heard someone screaming, Jeffrey tells the Orange County Register the man used a large rock to break through the uh, sunroof of the car... And uh, they ended up pulling people out of the car. We got them out, and then just after we got them out, it started to blow up, Jeffrey says, as the fast-moving flames uh, were slowly engulfing the car. He said, honestly, I've never been more scared in my life. The woman sustained head and shoulder injuries, according to the fire chief, and uh, the male passenger had only minor injuries. Anyway, it wouldn't have happened if those two hadn't been there and the Good Samaritan, who is still unnamed and uh, wanted to keep it that way. So all three of them are the heroes of the day, folks, and that's what makes being human awesome is that uh, we can all step up for each other, be there for each other, and take care of each other. That's why we do this show. And we'll be back again tomorrow, folks. BYU Sports Nation is straight ahead.